a nameless girl, I won't say her name, walks in. Uh, and I start going, asking shit like, how are you here by yourself? Like, I was, like, telling a story, and I stopped with, like, 20 people around and started, like, focusing on, like, trying to hit on this girl. But it took me, like, 10 minutes to, like, get it out. And about that time, Tatum and James come up and get on both sides of me, and they're like, hey, man, we're going to go. It's time to go. And, like, in my head, it didn't register to me, like, I'm really drunk right now. It registered just like they want to go and that's my ride. So we get home and I sit down on the couch and everything's still fine at this point. I put like a burrito in the microwave. I put a burrito in the microwave. Okay. Very important to the story. And I sit down on the couch and as I'm like sitting there, I'm like, man, I, I got to pee. Let me stand up. And I got my ass lifted about 14 inches off the couch and just just like fell back, like done. And I tried it again, nothing. So they escorted me through the living room, into the master bedroom, through the master bathroom, like so that I could take a take a piss. And I didn't leave the bathroom the rest of the night. I was just like throwing up, say, throwing up, <laughs> throwing up. Like every, it was a really funny for only probably. 55 seconds and then for the, <laughs> the rest, rest of the night time. it was just and i would throw up so hard and not feel any better because you know when you throw up you normally feel better and i was it just kept going and going and going and going and yeah. never stopped and at one point it was so bad that i had <clears throat> all of my clothes off and was laying in the bathtub with my head like over the ledge of the bathtub so that if i threw up i wouldn't throw up where I needed to like turn the water on to wash myself. And that was how they saw me. <laughs> I was going I was going to keep that story until you said that. <laughs> Just leave it. I just leave it. I will. I'll just, yeah, no, it's good. Uh, <laughs> oh, man, I need what's, to just. What's great, too, is, like, his entire family doesn't drink. Like, not even at their wedding, not even a champagne toast. Got you. And I was supposed to be helping him move out the next day, and I woke up at, like, 1.30 in the afternoon. I carried one, like, shoebox out to the U-Haul, and he goes, dude, you need to just go back to your room and go to sleep, and I'll just, like, tell my parents you have like the flu or something and i went back to the room and i woke up at like midnight and was just like spinning in circles still absolutely just canned dude like absolutely gone and two weeks later he calls me and goes dude i don't remember exactly what had happened but we unloaded all my stuff from the garage that we moved and my mom like almost threw up because she was carrying the microwave and the door swung open and a burrito <laughs> fell out and like landed on her. This like old moldy smelly burrito <laughs> fell out and landed on her fucking shoes and just, Oh yeah. <laughs> hey D talking to your mic real quick. Hello. Make sure you're there talking. So we're doing drunk stories for this podcast. Or? A B C D E F G. I don't know, man. You guys are going to have to stop me at some point. H I J K L M N O P. No, we're letting you go. <laughs> I'm going to let you go.
Oh man, that's a good one. That's a good. That's a good. That's one. a good, that's a good introduction. Check, that's a good story. Checkers, period. Check, yeah, let me check. Checkers. Yeah. One, two. Meet me outside. Meet me outside. Meet me outside. Hey, newbie, stay. Keep it that distance. I I raised you on here. Just raise it up. Like talk centered into the microphone. Just don't screw it up, man. I don't think I've. I think it's just ever talked into a microphone. Tie up. Only in soundtrack. Okay. Yeah, you're you're being serious, like never. Yeah, like I've, I don't like not I've, once. I don't think I've ever talked into a microphone. Not before. even for like Greek really or anything like that. You didn't do that. Well, okay, yeah, Greek sing. That was a good time. Yo, dude, why didn't we do that thing where I was gonna, you were gonna carry me out into the uh, the stage? Is this better? We thought of it like a yeah. day before Greek sing. When was I gonna do that? We need to watch that video. I had the uh, no. There dude. is no video. What? There is a video. It's just Nibu, really really bad. Because Gil Gil, or whatever his oh name was, was supposed God. to take the video, but he had a hissy fit that we didn't let him do the fake the trumpet solo. Trumpet. And so he refused to record. He refused to do his one job, and he had the official camera and everything set up, and, and then we never got a video of it. I will never decide to do like the fisheye lens, and it was the best yeah. one ever. But you were supposed to carry me out for my solo. I did the Adele bit. But like, how was I going to carry you? Was like, I going to carry you on like, top of your shoulders? I don't we remember. We practiced that. this. I do not remember that. Really Why did they cut practice. the the trumpet solo? <laughs> what was the decision to cut it? Like because he came up with it like that dumb. morning, and it was just stupid, and yeah. we didn't have time. I thought it was hilarious. It I liked it so bad. This podcast is going to be called "Stories Entirely Out of Context." In this room will understand. It's all it's all good, man. Well, let's let's start. Brought to you by Johnson 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 and Johnson. Wow, <laughs> we practiced. Yeah, let's. Uh, Are we raining it in? Oh, I, I've already been recording for like ten, fifteen oh, minutes. Right yeah, <laughs> that's kind of, that's kind of how I roll. I, I kind of <laughs> do that. I ha- and then, frankly, I haven't been able to do that because the past two months I've been getting really deep on my what I call research. So it's been a lot of more like actual. <laughs> yeah, whatever. <Research. laughs> Anyways, <laughs> if you listen to the episodes, newbie, you'll get it. Uh, <laughs> anyways, but today we're in Nashville, Tennessee. Which is cool. It's mm. been a long time coming. America. America. <laughs> and usually everybody's met Gonzo. Gonzo's here. Say what's up, Gonzo. Hi. <laughs> that was your moment. <laughs> that, that, was <laughs> that was it. Eddie. Eddie's here to my left. Zip. And then let's start with John. If you want uh, LeJohn Chains. <laughs> Where are you from, John? <laughs> I'm gonna drop it. I was gonna think of more of a bit. I'm from Jersey. <laughs> yeah, let's start off with That's some it. some biographical stuff. And Actual we'll, fact. We'll get into Jersey Shore native. <laughs> there you go, Jersey. <laughs> and then we'll get into probably some stories and some nonsense in a bit. D. Yeah. Uh, I'm D. That's the short for my government name, uh, D'Angelo. His Christian name. My, yeah, my Christian name, D'Angelo, <laughs> and I'm from Nashville, Tennessee, kind of. How kind of? Uh, my dad was in the army, so okay. yeah. <laughs> so we moved to a bunch of different places. Why are you laughing at that? That's, that's not, not funny. Well, I think like kind of because like Clarksville's kind well, of Nashville. Kind of because I've only been here for ten years. Like most people grow up like right. born and raised in the city. Yeah, I've yeah, been here since two thousand seven. Right, on. I'm. Yeah. A, I'll, we'll come back to that. I yeah. have some questions. Uh, 
first story that everybody got to hear more or less. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how, how exactly this edit's gonna go. We'll find out on Thursday. But the first person you heard talking was Cameron Newby. If you wanna introduce yourself and where you're from. Yeah, my my name's Newby. I'm the from Flying uh, Burrito. I'm from Oklahoma, just outside. Uh, if you guys don't know, Oklahoma's the largest county in Texas. Thunder <laughs> <laughs> uh, up. Yeah. That's pretty much all there is about me. I just kind of, I go here now, so I live here. <coughs> Don't have a job, really. <laughs> and that's why I'm in the living room instead of making money. Well, I, I'd hope you'd be home anyway. It's already evening, so hopefully mm. you'll be home by now, If even when you get your work career stuff figured out. It's all good. Uh, <laughs> uh Let's start with D, just because I do have questions now. Yeah, you said you're yeah. Army. Your dad. So, so for all of your life, your dad's been in the Army. Uh, yeah, up until about two years ago. So you retired. Yeah, retired now, and my mom was in the Army as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, well, let's start with that. How, what was your experience with that? Having both parents. Yeah. So my mom retired when I was born, <coughs> uh, just to kind of take care of me and do all that that thing. Uh, but my dad, being in the Army, pretty much. Um, through college, or yeah, all the way through college, and two years after college, um, it was interesting. It was it wasn't bad until my freshman year of high school. I had just been out of school for two years, which was the longest I had been out of school. And we left uh, Virginia at that time, seventh and eighth grade. Left and moved to New York, so like complete polar opposite of where I was in Virginia. Um, and that was really tough. I was really starting to like make those, you know, young teen adolescent friendships, the ones that you really start to carry through for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, spending those two years there and then moving, picking up pretty much uh, spontaneously was, was really, really difficult. But after that, it was fine. It was really fine. Yeah. That's super interesting. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess because it's kind of the way I roll as far as moving with life and the concept of literally moving with life what how is your how is how is how is how was your relationship with your dad um before college my relationship relationship with my dad was very father-son like he was the disciplinarian um almost typical army dad but he, I mean, he wasn't like mean or anything he was yeah. just like you know, your shoes need to be put in the right place your bed needs to be made you know all, all the small kind of, things yeah that all the small now add things, up man. to things that I uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. That makes more sense. To yeah. Right so uh, that's how I was when I was growing up, and then um, especially the past couple of years, and um, as I've really become a lot of my own person, we've been able to have more of a friendship and um, really talk about some really cool things. So, uh, yeah, man, it's oh, been yeah. it's been cool. That's uh, awesome. Seeing that relationship evolve yeah. for sure. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, I've for the sake of like, because I know like Brian's in a frat or he wasn't a frat. And like it's kind of the same thing. They all go by last names for the most part. Mm. And so for the, for just out of respect, that's all I know you guys by. So that's why if I say Freud or D or yeah. newbie, it's like that's because I literally until until like probably like yeah. now, it's like if not, I'd probably call you John. I'd call you, I'd probably say Daniel, Julian, and Cameron. You know that's what I would normally say. But because I started with Eddie, uh, even last well last year I didn't even get to meet John. John wasn't here last summer. Am I John or Freud at this point? <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably gonna just call you John. 
You're for whoever you want to be. This is 2017. Okay, let's actually oh, do that because wow. he's actually Ooh. brought up like the whole like Walker like because <laughs> Andy and he's like Texas wait, Andy. <laughs> yeah. what's, so what's funny is that like the me newbie and John or Freund what wh- whatever we're gonna pick here in a bit <laughs> yeah, we'll um, and D uh, we're all in the in the fraternity together in in college and for some reason everyone else in the fraternity goes by their last name except me and D. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, like, yeah honestly. Yeah, just about. Mm. Huh. Never really thought about it that way. Never yeah. really thought about it that way. Well, no one else was named. Like, if I was named D, I would go by D as well, though. Well, I mean, that's just how I introduced myself. Yeah, typically. I'm just saying, like, that's an but awesome see, name. I hit, like, a weird crisis in the middle of college where, like, I, w- I entered college and I was <coughs> introducing myself to people as D, but then, like, over in a large crowd or whatever it's things are really loud people are like what did you say like see like what it w- like no, <laughs> no it's no, really? like really? yeah yeah it was oh, weird geez. it was weird uh so i switched to now uh like the last couple years of college and then into like my professional life i started introducing myself as d'angelo and uh even in like large crowds and stuff like that it was t- still weird like what did you say man i uh it idaho like i don't know man really? yeah it's, it's really it's really strange that you say that because Every time that I've ever introduced myself as Cameron for my entire life, somebody says, I'm sorry, what? Yeah. Every single time. And I don't know. It's crazy that you say that because I feel like there's something about saying your own first name that's so strange. Like, you never have to say it. So when you do say it to someone, you always Probably sounds say weird. it really wrong and nobody knows what you're saying. That makes yeah. total sense. Because yeah, first thing I thought about was, like, syllables. It's three syllables versus newbie. It's two. So, but, but the saying your name first to somebody else is kind of weird I, right. that makes sense do you think at the end of your life you'll just go by angelo to balance out the d years <laughs> yeah that's that's your probably proper idea. yeah even usage yeah. take a lot of angelo to balance out that d <laughs> <laughs> real talk real talk you're welcome dude <laughs> hey john when you're talking make sure you talk on the mic please okay yeah, yeah. yeah. there we go yeah. strike one please. for john <laughs> <laughs> i need another drink <laughs> Not my friend. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, newbie. Oh, I got to meet you last year, so I feel like I feel like I know who you are. Yeah, man, you're welcome again for that. <laughs> He's old B uh, to you now. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm sorry. It's fine. A question I do have for for newbie is what got you started in music, and well, what what was your because w- this is very specific cause for a certain reason, your elementary year, like when you're really young, like what was that like for you? What was that experience, which is elementary st- in elementary school, and what turned you on to music? So, no one in my family is 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 really like musical, like instrument, like you know, nobody played an instrument. My sister can sing really well, uh, but she was a dancer most of her life and all that. Uh, we were all sports; everything was sports. Um, so that's that was kind of like where it was uh, for a while, and <clears throat> at one point, I don't know, I just like got it in my head that I wanted to be like the lead in the school play one year. Hmm, okay. And we did uh, Oklahoma, and I was like, I gotta do this. Like, every <laughs> year. Yeah, yeah, man. And it was it was like wild. Uh, so like all within this like fourth grade year, I was like, I want to be a famous singer. I want to do this. I want to do that. I saw like started watching like Garth Brooks, you know, live, live on TV and everything. Uh, and I got the lead and ended up all kinds of crazy stuff happened from that. Like I 
got to like meet the governor and like talk to him about stuff and and ended up getting put in contact with like some local like venues and stuff so started playing with like bands on like opry style shows when i was like you know eight nine years old something like that that's pretty crazy okay and I, cool. I loved it but it was like kind of the whole you know your parents are still really influential and all that so it was like i was literally wearing like the mo Betta shirts and stuff looked just like garth brooks and was like trying to like moonwalk on stage and stuff had no idea and then high school hit and i saw ragweed for the first time and then it's just like history that's it yeah right that's all it took. Mm. was that the reason why you decided nashville and Bel- what turned you <coughs> on to belmont dude that's or, or more more in the nashville period that's a weird story. I always knew I wanted to be in Nashville for, for music and a bunch of different reasons. I wanted to play football. Uh, I was going to go to Vanderbilt. My original idea was I'll go to Vanderbilt. I'll be like a doctor or something crazy like that. Yeah. And it ended up um, got hurt, couldn't play football anymore my senior year and decided to stop and all that. And through a strange coincidence, like playing live music, uh, I met one of the, you know, managers or talent coordinator or something uh for the bluebird cafe and she told me there's another school you know that's not vanderbilt in nashville that you look at it is belmont and we visited like two weeks later and that was it nowhere else you were sold that was it yeah <laughs> that's super super cool gonzo you're right oh. <laughs> no i'm just picking okay. no I, I i'm i'm maneuvering here because this is the this is the biggest like this is like this is the most amount of people I've had. This is a, this to, is a big crowd. To really to to maneuver through, uh, and really I don't want to maneuver because I, I I wanted to, I wanted the I wanted the stories to continue, but um, like I said, I've been I've, I told I told John I think he was in yet, even yesterday that like for the past year year and a half I've been really working on asking questions. So like this is a good test yeah. for me, and then to hopefully maneuver uh, accordingly. Um, John, let's go to you for a bit. Just because yesterday we had started talking about like Dr. Bernie Brown, vulnerability, shame, mm. and then Wild at Heart, we've talked, you know, we've kind of we kind of touched base on that stuff, uh, and and funny enough that we finally get to me, and for me, it, for me, it is a big deal because Eddie introduced me to Wild at Heart last year, and we got it there at McKay's, which we went earlier today, and I read it last year, and I was like, oh, geez, like this is some deep stuff. Yeah, it's it's very. I venture to say life-changing just because I, mean, I, I brought up briefly the wound. I'm like, okay, we'll talk about this stuff on the podcast. You know, I, I right. want to get into it. What, what's your background? We'll, we'll get, I want to get, cause I want to get to water hard and like shame and vulnerability, but uh, what's your background? How, how, what was your childhood like? What brought you to Nashville? Hmm. Uh, so my childhood, I grew up in, uh, in South Jersey near the beach which is uh, a totally different state from North Jersey. Um, <coughs> and uh, if you picture, like, if you've seen Jersey Shore before, and you can picture, like, the settings and those type of people, it's like that, but it's just not at, like that at all. Um, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and that shows a disgrace. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, I had a, a, a similar thing to him where music was very involved, but in my life, but it was all because of, because my entire family was musical. Um, and my parents were always <laughs> worship leaders at church growing up. Um, and so, and my brother, who's four years older than me, 
started doing that and playing drums at church and whatever. And when I got old, old enough, I got involved with that. Um, grew up with drum lessons and then started playing guitar. So uh, it wasn't until near the end of high school that music became like a, okay, I might want to do something related to this. Right. Um, how I discovered Belmont and ended up coming to Nashville uh, was through probably my first passion in life, which is basketball. Mm. Um, 2008 NCAA tournament, first round, uh, 15 seed Belmont is playing number two seed Duke. Uh, loses by one point off of an absolutely horrible missed out-of-bounds call. Um, <laughs> Greg Paulus had – you can look this up on YouTube. Greg <laughs> yeah. Paulus stepped an entire foot out-of-bounds to save the ball for Duke, uh, winning them the game, costing Belmont uh, what would have been their only tournament win ever. But I had never heard of Belmont before. Clicked on the, the school name, went to the website, saw the first page thing was a music business program. I had no idea what that was. Now I'm here. That's crazy. <laughs> didn't didn't apply to another school. It was crazy how it how it happened. You just mm-hmm. chose to come back, or to, not to come back to to just start your your new journey here. Uh, what's been your experience like now? In regards to what? Uh, and I I want to go down the line with this with uh, John D and newbie. But your experience currently, uh, what are you trying to do? Uh, here in town. You know what? What? What's your plan? What's your mission? Or, or, or you know, how how are you maneuvering at this moment? I mean, we're now. I mean, you guys graduated what? Fourteen. Fourteen. Yeah. Fourteen. So every yeah. three and a half years ago. Yeah. And I, I, so I graduated that next summer. Yeah, which mm-hmm. is crazy. crazy. And, and that that that's the whole point. Is like how how are you guys maneuvering now, uh, mm-hmm. through your post college career? So I feel like, I don't know where everybody else is, but the the shortly post college phase and season of life has like kind of like it kind of ran its course for two or three years and now i'm in whatever the the start of whatever that next phase is uh my degree was in music business and i had a well actually in my senior year in college i had a basically a full-time internship like a basically a job in uh at a licensing firm in new york cool company Worked in licensing, publishing. They were going places. Didn't like the job at all. Looking at a computer screen for 40 hours a week. Mm-hmm. So I, d- I decided I had job offers coming out when I graduated um, and decided, you know, these are all going to be looking at a computer in Excel sheets and all that, and I just can't, I can't do that. I need to be physical and social with work. <coughs> so I spent the last three years up until this May uh, bartending uh, full-time and doing some other stuff in the summer and kind of figuring out what I wanted. Um, so in regards to mission or where I'm going now, um, I'm, I'm doing work to support myself and have a flexible schedule, but I'm trying to get more into just like serving people and mm-hmm. in uh, like service oriented life and uh, been more involved at an awesome local church here. It does a lot of that. So um, read a lot of books like the ones that you mentioned mm-hmm. in the past year or two that are like, man, this whole thing of like understanding people and getting to the core things underneath that are driving how people feel and their purpose in life, that is interesting to me. So that's kind of the direction I'm headed. Yeah, We're going we're to come back because like, like I said, <coughs> this, this connection that's developed since last year, now we can fi- finally talk. We'll, we'll, we're going to ver- dive into this stuff. And uh, Dee, what about you? What, what about your purpose and your adventure so far through uh, post-college? Yeah, so... Um, I wanted to be a doctor from a really young age, like 
Uh, it was 10 when I made the decision that I wanted to study medicine at some point. What made you want to, what, what got your attention? So my mom was diagnosed with MS uh, in 2002, uh, MS multiple sclerosis. Uh, so then when she had that uh, diagnosis and she was going through all of her appointments and whatnot, and I was sitting in on a lot of those, um, which all of that was like a byproduct of her service in the army. They, they took full responsibility uh, from her and her um, when she deployed to Saudi Arabia in the first Gulf War. Okay. Um, they were saying that it was a result of like the chemicals they were using in the air that caused her multiple sclerosis. Um, so from then, uh, I was, like I said, 10, um, and she, she, you know, she was really devastated. Whole family was kind of in, in distress. And I was like, I, I really want to study neurology and help find a cure for this disease and, uh, really help my mom out. Um, so since then it had been, um, like through college, I had studied, uh, biology in college, pre-med emphasis, um, went through a lot of different things that I thought I wanted to do, acting, music, the entertainment, stuff. entertainment aspect stuff. of Nashville. And yeah. Aspect, I mean, and it's very accessible because you're here in town, you're, exactly. you're around, you're in the environment. I know even when me and like last year when me and Eddie came here cause he finished his record 17 hours and it's just like, everybody's like, how was it? Like it's music 24 hours a day. Like, yeah. we, I mean, and even the first day we were here, I think we got here on a Sunday or Monday. We got here. Are you talking about last, last year? year? Yeah. Okay. I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember there, when we got So what are, we got here on a Sunday or Monday, and I just remember sitting down on the couch and Newbie and Eddie picking up a guitar, and I think they jammed for like three hours. Yeah. I was like, yeah, this is this is, what's, this, is a, what, this is what's supposed to be happening, you know, when, yeah. when you're in town. And uh, and I know, I know for me, at least from my experience, is that going home, doing the live stuff, you know, helping Eddie with a record, play it, you know, live, but then coming back to town, it's like, man, it's, 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 a, it's a different type of reboot. You know, musically, it allows us to actually sit down. Like today, we had a lesson with Jamie, yeah. uh, the voice coach, and and as much as we play even live or we do rehearsals, it's like there's little kinks that we found as like, oh, say, I I don't hear this. You know, we're in the room with a bunch of reverb or whatever, and mm. you know, or we don't really hear each other well. Or yeah, or, or yeah, or the, whatever, whatever situations for the gig or what, any any <coughs> any situation like that. You know, to come back and have some somebody listen to us. It was, you know, it was interesting. It's in it's interesting period. Yeah. Getting that instruction when you haven't necessarily had that for a minute, that's probably very interesting. Yeah. Cause I mean, we came last June, so let's say a year and a half since yeah. we've been in town and that's that, crazy. You know, it's, it's been, and even then I still remember being here and we still talk about it all the time. Like, oh yeah, th when this song got played and you know, me and Gonzo talk about it or yeah. me and Eddie talk about it still. Yeah. Uh, pretty, pretty cool. Um, newbie, you're next. All right. Yeah. So <laughs> I mean, kind of like John said, I, I think, you know, we have these different phases of our life and uh, pretty much anything that you think of how it's going to go beforehand, you can almost guarantee yourself that it won't go that way when you get there. Mm. And, uh, and yeah, that's really true. Um, I was still kind of in recovery mode from brain surgery at the time that I graduated college and <clears throat> I moved home briefly and uh, took a finance gig, kind of helping out and you know, wasn't really sold on having that as a career and, and giving up music full time and uh, <clears throat> moved back here. And, and John was cool enough to get me a job barbacking at a, at a concert venue. And I stayed there for 
roughly two years longer than I thought I was going to. So, <laughs> okay. well, and, uh, and you just left that job too, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, about thirty-five days ago, something like that. Congrats, uh, man! I mean, it, it hasn't been long at all, and yeah. um, it's weird because uh, we were talking about Belmont and kind of you know what we did while we were there. I studied music business, and as it went along, I started focusing less on the music industry side and focusing more on business and the reason I took that degree in the first place was as a musician uh, I always wanted to set myself up for success I, I thought the more that I know about the industry the more that I know about the people who I'm working with the better prepared I will be but I didn't realize until you know the more time that I spend separated from Belmont the more I realized that when you take that route the one thing that you you know you get all the the book smarts and you learn the industry and how it all works but when you sacrifice you know a music degree a performance degree so things like that you don't learn how to bet on yourself you know in the same way that that a lot of those people do that that take those the music degrees the songwriting all these things and that's kind of applies to a lot of areas of life so kind of the the season that i'm in at this point and you know of you know season of credit card debt and and whatever you know it, yeah it's it's hard you know and especially you know because i have other people depending on me at this point but um you know i'm kind of in a in a spot where i'm trying to learn to put money on myself uh and trust that you know there's good people around me and and the reasons that i haven't settled into something that's not me you know that's more that's safer is because there's still something left there you know that's untapped so kind of kind of in the direction of that and being out of college and everything it's like everything that you could learn in a classroom can only take you so far and if you don't at some point trust that the rest of you that you're still going to be learning and you still need to actually push yourself into it it's just not gonna happen oh and that, that kind of leads you to my next question for you was or is what uh what was your final driver to quit this job that you were just at um i think uh changes the scenery um can do a lot um when you know you're kind of in a place of stagnation um i you know priorities change you know you're set in the same place for a long time and you try to shake things around sometimes you need to pull the rug out um and kind of hope that when you land back on your feet they're in a different place than they were before so at the end of the day you know I still love so many of those people that were there and wouldn't trade the experience for anything you know I I loved every minute of it maybe not every minute I love most minutes (laughs) of it but um you know at, at some point tough decisions have to be made and it was one of those things that I thought you know maybe putting myself in a position where I don't have a choice right you know I have to go after something will force me to actually do it right and funny enough uh, I do want to go kind of macro just because you guys had given the name of who this person was but what what I want to touch on man maybe anybody anybody could chime in here is that experience and how important that we're how important maybe we were told that is (coughs) And now actually going through that, how that's made maybe made you feel, and how how it's uh, how it's made you feel, but also your decision making, how it's affected your decision making. 
whenever somebody says, oh, I need, you need more experience or, or like this person that you guys were talking about earlier and how they don't have that work experience or career experience, but yet they want to go after something that's like, well, you probably need to get some hours under your belt before you even think about going that direction. Yeah, experience helps you, A, <clears throat> first and foremost, it identifies what you don't like. And what, right, right, right before, uh, what's something that you didn't like from a previous experience, whether it's like a job or something that you're like, oh, no, I, I would never want to do this again or, if, or I'll quit as soon as I can. What's so what you get? Yeah, easy. Desk job, looking at a computer yeah. 40 hours a week. Couldn't believe I'm not designed to do that. Can't do it. Mm-hmm. Easy. No matter, no matter what the job is or how well-paying it is. Yeah. Yeah, I, I discovered that. Anybody else got any uh, experience? We'll see. On that same coin, <coughs> I discovered that the desk job thing isn't really that bad for me because I'm so introverted that, like, you know, <laughs> I like working by I myself is fine. Yeah, we have Brian from Brian that probably have uh, – Yeah, with. but, like, the corporate lifestyle is not it. Um, like, I just switched from a super corporate healthcare gig – uh, into something a little bit more new age and um, and in tech. So uh, that lifestyle and that environment is is a lot better for me uh, mm-hmm. personally. You know, I don't have to go to work in a suit every day. I don't have to put on the the fake corporate facade that a lot of businesses want you to have. Um, I can just be a lot more of myself right. uh, in this environment. And I think that's what I really valued. Uh, for the most part, and that's what I think I found here. So that's yeah. pretty cool. I d- will never ever go back to a corporate lifestyle environment. That's that those are bold words. Yeah, never ever ever ever. ever. Mm. Not I will never. I never <coughs> want to wear a suit again to work. Yeah, like, and I never want to work in a cube again. Like, yeah. it just right it makes won't a little sense. <coughs> and you know, it's interesting because that, that that's kind of our our thing as this age group, and I, I'm gonna say millennials, but. It's it's funny that term is very funny now because it's so vague. Mm. People don't realize the age range of a millennial. Everybody's like, "Oh, you're under you're under twenty five. You're a millennial." Like, no, no it's you're like from the eighties. You're full of shit, bro. Like, yeah. you're you're thirty three. You're a millennial. Yeah. You're good. <laughs> and there's and there's yeah. multiple types of that too, right? There's yeah. there's the type who feels, oh, you have to be following your dreams all the time. If you're not doing something you love every day, then you're doing the wrong thing, and right. that is just like a form of entitlement, like. For most of human history, people had to do work just to survive. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. There's times that you need to suck it up. Like the job that I'm in now and even bartending, it's not because I had a passion for it. Um, but to me, it was like I'm perfectly okay with getting up, putting in the hours, given certain, thi- certain, certain things that I'm involved with. And just similar to, to D, being like, okay, I can sit here because my, my introversion dealing with this, like I feel comfortable doing this. But I'm a different type of introvert that prevented me from being comfortable looking at a screen, mm-hmm. dealing with stats and figures all week. I just wasn't willing to do it. But I'm willing to work 80 hours a week doing something that's totally different. Right, right. It's versus, you know, I have to be following my dreams. I have to be living the life now. And then people wind up really disappointed and broke and with a terrible work ethic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know, like... Uh, for me, well, just background, me and uh, Newbie and Freund all worked at the same bar. Um, I was the first one to leave because it, at some point I, I moved back home uh, to Texas. And I know, like, for me, uh, going off of what, what Freund was saying about, you know, like a lot of people just want to, like, oh, if you're not living the dream or if you're not doing what you want to do, whatever. And it's like, like Freund was saying, there's a lot of, like, uh, a lot of BS in that because it's like I had to do a lot of 
a lot of shit to like actually live the lifestyle I want to live or pursue the dreams that I do want to pursue with with having a career in music and as an artist and a songwriter and all that great stuff. Mm -hmm. And so like just to finance the record, I was working, you know, like whatever odd job I could find. And it started with working security for concert venues and then and then uh, thanks to Nubian and Freund, they talked me into it somehow. It took them like <laughs> took them like three days to do it, but they talked me into <laughs> like going to hop on as a bar back at the at the venue they were working at. And that was shit. I mean like that probably like quadrupled my income and helped me make my record that I wanted to make a lot faster. Signs of life. Signs of <laughs> life. <laughs> it's it's keeping the lights on too. Yeah. Like whether you think you always have to be like chasing your dreams and don't sell out and this and that and the other, there's something to be said about that. But you can pursue other things while still keeping that. You just have to keep the lights on. That's that's the mm -hmm. blanket for everybody. It's not an option to not keep the lights on because you can't it, it doesn't matter at that point. Mm -hmm. If you're not able to do it, you're just not able. It's just kind of how the world works. Right. Can you um, can you bring up that uh, that phrase that your old professor um, used to say? You know, uh, you know what I'm talking about Dan Keen? What yeah, you, yeah. You said it several times, and I've always loved it, but can you say it for, for the podcast? I'm trying to remember the exact phrasing, but but that's kind of the, the thing is uh, the concept is it's all good and great until you've got to pay the bills, you know, until you have to. And kind of we talked – a lot of it applies to like the indie movement and the indie scene of, of people who want to be so niche, you know, they don't want to get too big because people would, you know, they'd lose credibility. And, and at the end of the day, like if you have six people coming to your shows and that's like your thing and you're like, we don't ever want to have X, Y, and Z, like you're not going to be able to do it. You know, people aren't going to continue to pay for your product, you know? So it's all good and great until you've got to pay the bills. You got to keep the lights on. Nobody can come see the show at all. Those six people that you care more than anything about, if there's not a show and there's no way to do it, they aren't going to see it anyways. You know, and there, if there's no way for you to record what you're trying to record and get it to them, like there's no way to do it. Like, so at the end of the day, you have to find some kind of business compromise to understand that, if this is kind of what you want to do, you need to play the game a little bit, you know. Yeah, and that's kind of that's kind of, and it's funny because the stuff I have been reading and uh, doing this past, I'll say two years now. We're already in December, so let's say two years. Um, it kind of, I just feel like this stuff it is uh, just a phase, you know, like anything else. Because and this is only because like I've, like I said, the st stuff I've been <coughs> reading, a lot of military history, a lot of. Uh, I don't. I don't venture to say self. I feel like self help is overused now. So I, I'm trying to find a new word, a new term for that. But in the sense of, okay, you grind it out now while still keeping the eye on the prize. However, going back to John, I do see that the term purpose is way more important than like the activity that's going to the activity that's going to give you the fulfillment to serve a purpose and serve other people. And, I, and it makes me curious about that because the questions I bring up, I'm like, well, I'm playing music, so what's my goal? Well, play on stage, have a good time, have fun with my friends, but then hopefully the people who are dancing, the people who go and pay for shows will then enjoy themselves, even if it's for an hour and a half or if we have an hour set or three-hour night, whatever the time may be. Um, I, know I, I know I tussle with that a lot because then I'm thinking, well, because I've, I've, I've been, especially since starting this podcast and having conversations like this, 
for this is episode 48 so 48 weeks in a row i've had at least one lengthy conversation about everything that i that, that's going on in my mind mm-hmm. and and it's interesting because one thing i know like gary v he's an entrepreneur from new york he would say hustle and and he and even hustle is a very vague word because everybody kind of uses that now but what i think is okay if you if you need to pay the bills then you'll actually work hard at whatever it is that you want and sometimes that's the dream and basically you want to chase you want to chase that now i think in our case i i just feel like we're such in a transition also like our particular age group like anybody from 25 to like 27 is very specific because of the people i've been talking to lately is that we're a particular transition group versus anybody younger than us and anybody yeah. older than us yeah so true so true especially uh <clears throat> like i said i moved from like a healthcare thing to more of a tech thing um and i'm still trying to figure out whether or not i still want to go to med school all this other stuff um there's a lot of a lot of change and a lot of things that are super uncertain um but a lot of potential there as well, which is, I think, the cool part of being where we are um, and being in this transition state, that there's a lot of potential to do a lot of different things and make a lot of great impact uh, <clears throat> and to serve people that we want to serve. Mm-hmm. Um, the potentiality in that is, is really cool. Yeah, Because one thing, one thing Eddie likes to ask is why? Like, we come with something, well, why is mm-hmm. that? And we can go off of that. And, and frankly, like, because of, and like I said, we're going to, I want to come back to Dr. Bernie Brown and a lot of this stuff because of our past and because that ties in with Wild at Heart, ties in with Captivating, ties in with all these other things that I've read as well. But one question that, I, that I've been coming, and it's very, it's one word as well, it's how. It's the how. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I don't know if you guys have, uh, nice. I mean, we're, we're going through the experience. I feel like we're going through the experience right now. But I feel like the important question we need to ask or feel like I, I feel like we need to ask is how do we serve that purpose? How do we serve? How do we provide service to people? Because we care about humanity. I feel like that's the, that's the macro mm. that we, that our particular age group gets into is that we are giving a shit about humanity more than other people who just say it. I f- have a strong intuition that we actually want to find a way to, uh, of how finding the, the, not, the, not that there's, and there's no one way, because like any, anything else, you know, there's several, there's a hundred ways to do X. But to me, what's been, the question has been in my head is like, okay, why do we do this? Okay. Now how do we fix it? How do we serve in our, in the case of, you know, what we've ta- been talking about right now is how. So you just shared, I think an encouraging perspective on that. Um, when you're, when you guys are out playing music and you, and you see that as a way of, of accomplishing a goal, of giving a, a some sort of release or escape for people, uh, or just bringing a little joy into life, um, a really good way to ask the question of how is how can that happen in what I'm already doing, and right. like something that I I had a realization last winter in a little season of being really bummed out with mm-hmm. all I'm doing is bartending. I'm at this same job I've been at for for a few years. I don't have much going on outside work. Like. What, why am I not involved in anything bigger or mm-hmm. why does it not seem like I'm going somewhere? And I just kind of got slapped in the face of the realization the one day of there actually is a lot of purpose and you can serve the mission in what you're already doing. Yeah. It's like, look around you. You have all these conversations with people every day. You're in an incredibly social environment that puts you face-to-face with the same coworkers. You can get involved in each other's lives. You can have these types of conversations mm-hmm. about purpose and stuff like that. Um, and what I got a real- realization of was like, no, the, the, the purpose can already be there. You don't need to be living out your dream job to do it. Um, 
you can do it where you are, and that will probably propel you somewhere good in the yeah. future. Yeah, and honestly, and I, I've I've brought this up several times for myself, and and it's it's the fact that I've been able to do that. If you, I've been playing music live for five years, and I, I'm and it's cool because you're you're John, you're my dichotomy of like you can serve a purpose here, because I was kind of raised like that, like you can serve a purpose here, and it, it's it's I want to push the envelope because like yes, I had to grind it. Like when I was in college, I work I wasn't going to school full time. I was working 40 hours a week and I was gigging every weekend and I was driving, you know, 400, 500 miles a week with all, with everything going on. And it's, it's interesting for me because like, man, pushing that <laughs> to me, it's balance. That's what I go back to every single time is balance. And, and, and I want to, I want to keep this conversation going, but it's, it's, it's an interesting tussle and how we're all kind of trying to go through that tussle of, okay, you can serve a purpose now, while wanting to maybe get your dream, I mean, me, I've I've been doing it. Like I said, the first band I was in, I played with them for three years. I was lucky to travel a lot of parts of Texas. They, you know, they flew us out to Vegas for we played NFR like three, four years ago now, and I get to do, I get to have that experience. You know, as a 21, 22 year old, it's like, I guess, I guess maybe that's talking about purpose and service is like for me to tell people like, hey, like you, I mean, of course there's a grind behind it, you know, and what drove me, frankly, to get to want to play live better was the, the when I initially auditioned for the band, they told me, no, like, no, you're not ready. So for six mm. months, I, I did nothing but go to school, practice and work. But every single minute, like homework wasn't even a priority at the time. Like, I, like yeah, I got my score done. I, I got good grades. I was, but that was very secondary to where like, okay, when I get home, I'm going to practice for probably a good four or five hours. And then I can go back to whatever else I need to do. It's just interesting hearing that because I believe that now I it's not that I didn't believe it before, but I th- I feel like I'm dealing with that maybe now, and I've mm-hmm. already been blessed to be to been to been given the opportunity to play music for the past five years and get paid for it, you know get a lot you know get paid for it travel. Uh, this is my second trip to Nashville. You know we're here and we even we get to play Thursday. We have a gig here in Nashville on Thursday, which is or when this episode gets released, it'll be Thursday. But uh, it's just interesting to me. Uh, this conversation. <sighs> I wanted to go to you for something, but I forgot. Well, while you're figuring that out, go ahead. Um, going off like what Freud was saying, how you can find purpose <coughs> in, in whatever you're doing and, and just, you know, kind of take a look around you and, and really get down to it. Like, um, I see like some people where I meet some people that like only ever talk negatively about their, about their job that they're, that they're in <coughs> or like their part-time job, whether it's like serving or, or whatever, whatever. But like, I've never had, I mean, I mean, like, granted, there are, like, negative aspects to, like, like you know, um, um, to, like, certain past jobs that I've held. But overall, I would say it was, like, a really great experience, even if I was, like, working security or bar backing with, with these two dudes or whatever. Like, uh, there was always cool things that came out of it, whether it was uh, uh, a ton of funny stories or a ton of funny nights, funny customers, or good shows that we got to see for free while we, you know, serviced a bar. Mm-hmm. Or something, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And there's like a lot of things that I learned from doing those jobs that mm-hmm. like have have um, given me new perspective and new insight and like shaped me as a as a person too, just as much. Right. Dude, I, it's funny that you say that because the first thing that came to my mind was, <clears throat> well, two things. One, I watched Steve Earle from, I, I mean, five feet away, play eight times, probably eight times, ten times. I watched him play Fort Worth Blues and. It, it, you know uh, these moments. I watched Garth Brooks from 
20 feet away, like, uh, I mean, play all of his hits, you know? And the number one thing, <clears throat> experience that almost no one would have, I would have never, ever in my life been in a situation where I could have seen this. I watched Bobby Braddock play mm. He Stopped Loving Her Today on a baby grand piano in a room of, what, 300 people? 300 top side. Uh, I mean, absolutely insane. And I, I, me and everyone else in this room, I cried like a bitch. Like, uh, and, and I, and I will hold on to that forever. And that's, that's an experience that if you would have asked me three years ago, Hey, we're going to, we're going to give you an opportunity to sit in this room with watch Tom Douglas, you know, play, you know, little rock on piano, watch, you know, Bobby Braddock play. He stopped loving her today. Reba McIntyre at some point will wave at you from five feet away. You know, I would have, I would have told you I would have had to pay 200 grand for that and it's never going to happen. So like through, you know, I, all these life experiences come out of this job that even if I didn't like the actual job, I would have never in a million years, any job that I could have held at that time had the money to finance even just being in the room for some of those moments and to get to experience things like that. Like that's what people a lot of times don't understand is if you spend that much time really, really focusing on hating where you're at, you're going to lose sight of all the things that are going on around you and the people around you's lives. And, you know, you're going to end up in places that you didn't think you would end up. And that's not always a bad thing just because the job isn't the title that you thought you were going to have at that stage. You know, it's not a bad thing. Mm -hmm. Something good can come out of that. Yeah. Even like uh, when we were in college, me and D like moved furniture for a couple of summers, and yeah. it was like the most like <laughs> yeah, it was the most like backbreaking job ever. Ever, man. but we got free subway every day mm -hmm. and uh, free access to uh, Gatorade every day. It was it's very <laughs> sketchily <laughs> mixed. It, yeah, it was, either, it was either too sour or way too watered down. We got to meet this old guy uh, named Jan and his Yo. wife, and he's pretty much a clone of Chevy Chase. Yeah. <laughs> But not nearly as funny as Chevy Chase, though he thinks he might be. But uh, anyway, and we met like a lot of good dudes through that too. Some of which, like, we kind of kept in touch with for at least a, a good long while, yeah, and like, or at least our friends on Facebook, and we get mm -hmm. to like follow them, and they get to follow us, and and we see where everyone's at since the days that we were moving furniture into what's it called the in the dorms in, in really? the dorms. I was trying to remember the name of the dorms, like Dickerson or Dick Dickens. Dickens, Dickens. yeah, man. We moved it all over that campus. Two Oaks, Dos Okies. <laughs> Dos Okies. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of all that, like, so while we've been in town, we've we've been to a couple of record stores by now. We went to Grimey's on Eighth Avenue here in, in town, which is my favorite record store of all time. And it's kind of like I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but it's like one of my life goals to open up a record shop back home and make it be as cool as Grimey's. But um, anyway, we're there, and Walker bought a copy of the um, of the Sean McConnell album uh, Undone, which is the acoustic recordings of the songs that he put on his self-titled record, which came out almost two years ago, I think, now. And um, <coughs> like those acoustic recordings are so great. And there's this one song that he has called Ghost Town, and we were listening to it. It like hit me right in the freaking feels, man. Because we took a trip like through uh, through Belmont University's uh, mine and D's and newbies and Freund's alma mater, 
And I haven't set foot on that campus in a minute. I, I didn't even set foot on it last time we yeah, came we, here. Yeah, yeah, we just passed by. So we, I, I yeah. haven't really even been on that campus since like we graduated. So it's it's like it's been nuts seeing how many uh, things have evolved on that campus. And I was telling Gonzo and Walker yesterday while we were on campus, I was like, dude, it's, it's weird not recognizing any faces. It's weird not recognizing um, anyone that was even like a freshman when we were seniors. It's like everyone's gone now. And the reason I, I bring up the Sean McConnell thing with the song Ghost Town, because the whole song he's talking about visiting his hometown and how like the people walking it are totally different and everyone around town, everything around town is totally different. And he feels like he's living in a ghost town. I'm trying to remember the line, but it's like those apparition memories or something, yeah, something used to be. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> But it's like it's nuts because the people like walking that campus have no clue what it what campus actually was to me and was to these guys right here. Yeah, and it, it's nuts. Um, Just signs of the times, man. Uh, <laughs> <shut> <laughs> up. We've been been coming up with so many uh, freaking uh, puns. puns today with my Come, last name. Coming marketing to slogan near you. <laughs> Scientology was my yeah. favorite one that I came up with. Well, each one's going to be for a different signs. Signs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want to kind of jump on on the so the Sean McConnell thing and and as a songwriter Eddie like that kind of you know I remember learning a lot from you when we were living over at uh, gazebo apartments Gazeebs. great gazebo. good great gazebo apartments the gazebo the gazebo everybody that has ever graduated from college in Nashville has lived at gazebo at some point <laughs> in their life yeah, been there. And either there. that or if you're a family of 17 people, you've lived at Gazebo. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's one or the other. Uh, but kind of uh, along those lines, and, and you mentioned 17 Hours was around, you know, recorded around this time last year. Uh, my memories from when you guys were here last and from even before that, from when we were living in Gazebo, you have these songs that stick with you. And I just want to plug this for the people that maybe know your music know 17 hours and highway 281 and all that the amount of material that you would write that people haven't even heard yet are things of that caliber you know and, and for for people who are like listening to it intently paying attention like i'm excited to see already the next album and the album after that, and the album after that. So I just wanted to throw that out there. You're talking about guys like Sean McConnell and, and listening to these songs that really stick with you. You know, I wanted to put it in your head that there's probably people somewhere, especially in the Valley, who would say the same things about Hometown, you know, about Highway 281, even the older stuff, you know, and all that. Uh, you know, when I was young, all that. Science. Just to just to pump that into your head, see so you can hear it at this point. Uh, getting a little bromosexual at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> I'm turned on. But yeah, I, I mean, it's one of those things that like, you know, that was one of the first bands that we ever connected on was Sean McConnell, and <coughs> you know the whole Sean McConnell opening for Wade Bowen all the time, and figuring out how involved he was with Randy Rogers and all that, and. You talk about the whole ghost town thing, man. Like the first thing that came came to my mind was hometown, you know, on seventeen hours. Yeah. 
Damn. Well, it's always a perspective that's appreciated, and I definitely appreciate hearing it. Cause yeah, whatever, man. <laughs> 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 no. All right, well, like I'm never, uh, <laughs> I'm never like in that mode of thought. Like I'm never like thinking about like how great my shit is. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, well, oh, Wade Barn brought up on that podcast. Yeah, he's totally over here. On he the brought, he brings it up town. in interviews and and like, uh, and like, yeah, I'm super stoked about the next record already. I already, I have been for like since I had all the songs picked out and and ready to go. We kind of like been trying out some new ones with yeah. the band and. And and whatever they're still like we've only done like half of them though we still have like half more to go. There's half to go. But either way, I mean, the thing is you still have to push <laughs> seventeen. Still hours. push the current <laughs> record that just came out. Not even <laughs> yeah, it just came out goes. in June. It's like, <clears throat> oh man. <laughs> just heard gunshots <laughs> out the window. That's fine. <laughs> I think someone literally just got fired on. It's fine. It happens about every three months. Every quarter. Got every quarter. Clean house every quarter. That's what's going on. Gonzo, <laughs> I wanna I wanna get Gonzo chimed in here because he's been kind of quiet. And it's been okay. I've I've <laughs> I've, uh, I've I wanted to have this conversation with Cameron D and John for a long time, so I I, I wanted to start with that. But Gonzo, I want I want to stay on the on the task of uh, purpose, and and your your transition because of what you've gone through, what your experience has been this year, and I know I know we've touched base, but. I want to reiterate because it's it's the fact of motion and, and uh, wanting and figuring out you know where you fit best, <coughs> career wise and, and and other aspects. Well, music is. I'm I'm not gonna say like I serve a purpose playing music because that's totally selfish to me. Like I just y- love so playing. So you okay okay. So I guess I so do. So so uh, music is your selfish. That's like yeah. That's 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 my me time pretty much. But I guess work, my new job, the whole EMS thing, that's probably that's that's where I get my like my helping Your people service. kind of Emergency music thing. services. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you need music, we'll, we'll get it to you real quick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one thing that just occurred to me right now is like the the aspect of the rock star status that everybody sees on social media. If you guys want to, I don't know if anybody, anybody wants to chime in on that. I mean, I mean I, we, we talked about it. You're looking at six of them right here, <laughs> <laughs> right now. But I, but I, but I feel like but but we're because we had we because we feel the purpose and we feel that we want to serve a purpose. Our 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 action, the action that we're taking when we provide these things, you know, there's a deeper meaning versus I feel like maybe some people that would probably or maybe should probably. I mean, that's, that's a stretch. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know anybody like that personally. I, I've only seen what I see on social media. But you know, everybody kind of maybe s- once social media got a got a got the fire going, everybody's like, oh my god, I can play, do this, and they don't realize. Going back to what Ed, you know, Eddie's writing, and even now, like this next record's done, we're still trying to push the current record. You know, yeah. like the work behind it, and I and what social media has done for the industry now. And not only talking about sales, I'm, I'm talking about strictly the image aspect of what social media has done to musicians and music in general. Yeah, it's artistry. it's funny because, uh, like, I have a really particular. I shouldn't say particular because it's not like it's not unique by any means. I'm sure there are other people who like share my opinion on social media, but like my opinion on social media doesn't change from my personal opinion to my professional opinion about social media. There's there's no disconnect there. It's not different. Like my personal opinion is also my professional opinion. Like I, I still think it's, it can be very superficial if you let it be. And I see, <coughs> not gonna mention names obviously, but I, I see a lot of like a lot of my peers and contemporaries who are trying to d- do and pursue the same career 
that I am, and they're like, I see their s- social media stuff and what they post, and the videos or the live stuff or the Instagram stories or the Snapchats or whatever. And I'm just like, why? You're not like that in real life, dude. Like, why are you, why are you acting that way? Like, you're not. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's kind of weird to me because it's like I know you. You're not you're not like that at all. I don't know what kind of front you're trying to put up. Right. Like, and it's um. And it's like you only w- – most people only post what they want people to see, right? That's the whole, like, downfall of social media. It's yeah. not – because it's not – it's superficial. It's not yeah, real. It's moment, like, yeah. You know, people are only seeing what you want them to see. And I try to, like, steer clear of that. So, like, I do this fucking Shaka thing now because, like, because our friend Brucci does it, and he got it from <laughs> God knows where. And it, like, rubbed off on me as many things he does rubs off on me. And then it rubs Hello. off on you guys. I'm sorry. but <laughs> like, <laughs> Well, honestly, the first time I saw it was jujitsu. Oh, okay. so, so you're So it was – I'm not and special. It, and it, well, no, it was the same time. It was actually the same time. Like, it was, like, within the same month. I was like – I, I saw my professor doing it. I'm like, okay, cool. And then Eddie started doing it. I'm like, oh, shit, okay, there's something here. There's something going on with the chakra. There's something going but on. Like, and so I post that like emoji whenever I like make a Facebook yeah. post on my artist page or Instagram or whatever because it's like, part of who I am, and I don't, I don't like being superficial. And like last week when I was traveling, I traveled to San Antonio for a gig last Tuesday, and then I was traveling to Lubbock for another gig, and then and all that. And I went like Facebook Live to talk about the show I was doing that night yeah. from about to take a nap in the backseat of my truck. And I'm there like my pillow and my blanket because it's like, this is my actual freaking life. This is not like there's no rock star status involved in this. Like this is I'm or freaking or, actu- tired or actually or actually this is like, this is the rock star status sleeping with a blanket right? in the backseat yeah. taking a break. Yeah, there's that, there's good truck mm-hmm. too. It's a yeah. good truck. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, tr- that truck is spacious, man. My I can stretch out my whole body in the backseat. Don't Ford tough. Like it's um, trades too. Like you have to sleep in your truck a few times if you're gonna be the guy that gets to have the moment where like everybody shows you the you know they know the words to your music yeah you know like you have yeah. to sleep in a few trucks to like get that yeah, yeah. on the, so, on of the social media thing too People that kind of trade-offs. like reminded me i think the ones that like make the most sense to me that i actually give a shit to like keep up with so like for instance the the justin timberlake video where he plays friends in low places with garth brooks that just like blows up everywhere incredible social media for one reason only and it's you can tell how excited like how stoked he is that that's going on so like he's he's sharing an experience like he's sharing the experience that he's having not caring like what anyone else thinks and i think that's what make makes people actually care about it like the uh, the authentic side yeah, of it I'll is th- like, I'll say authentic genuine you know, like oh my god you're freaking like this is this is actually happening and, and there is some you have to like keep in mind you know that you're putting that out for the rest of the world to see. But if, in my opinion, if, if you're a decent human being, you don't have to worry about it. Share anything you want because you're a good person. You know, you're right, not going right. <laughs> to, you're not going to piss anybody off by being yourself. Like you don't have to put up some front on it. Yeah. Well, funny. Well, funny thing about front is <laughs> the whole Walker thing. I've, I've mentioned this. On, I've mentioned this on, on the podcast. <laughs> I've, uh, if you guys would listen to episode one, you guys would understand. So, <laughs> So, so the Phantom Menace. <laughs> yeah. So, Walker's my stage name. <laughs> I don't know if you guys knew that or not. Texas Ranger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and I'm just gonna but I'm just gonna run with it because it's turned. It, but <coughs> it makes sense now because it's become a nickname. Like everybody calls me that. So it's like it's tur- it's actually turned into something now. And I've seen you do that a lot too. Like every time we're going anywhere, you're just walking like over and over again. <laughs> 
Yeah. Can't take that away from me. <laughs> we ate at a, at a fast food joint earlier today and then <laughs> walked right in there. Walked right in there. <laughs> <laughs> no, what'd you say? Like, you have enough of that chicken, you're going to be rolling. <laughs> no, Newby said that. Newby said that. We got some McKay's. And he's like, hey, man, you eat enough of that chicken, you're going to be rolling. <laughs> <laughs> rolling you around town. I was like, you're right, man. Roller, <laughs> Texas roller. <laughs> yeah. But, anyways, but it, and, and the reason why had developed a stage name because I did this six years ago like I like the whole like concept was because like Gary Allen is a stage name uh, Gary Lavox is a stage name Bart Crow is a stage name so at the time when I was thinking about this stuff because I'm like okay I'm gonna go into the music industry as a musician I know this that that's that's a fact I'm gonna do this no matter what it takes like I was literally on Craigslist like looking up like listings of people like hey let's jam out or hey let's do this and I was I started like that and and Craig is actually Craigslist is actually what got me my first gig, like my first legit paying gig. And Craig, also not a real name. <laughs> yeah. No nope. stage name. <laughs> well, it's Craig's. It's List that's not his real name. Craig's well, how List do you know is Craig his, is stage his, his stage name? Or is his real name as well? Maybe he's, maybe he's like Dave. It's Dave. 2017. Just let him be who he wants to be. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to make that joke like <laughs> several more times today. Uh, it's all good. But like going now, and there's actually a Larry King interview on the Tim Ferriss podcast. And he talks about, and because he was talk, because the, the concept concept of uh, because Larry King is also a stage, it's a front, it's a front name, it's not his real name, mm. which I didn't know that until I heard this interview, and he was talking about like in our day and age now, because of the media and the way it works, and because you can basically just do whatever you want as long as you stick around long enough, like you're gonna you're gonna gain a, a following, and it's like well fuck if I would have known that five years ago I would have I mean it would have been done you know I, I wouldn't have mm-hmm. I wouldn't have thought second, but that was just a process that I went through like I said because all of the guys I looked up to. Had stage names and whatnot. So, would you have not had a stage name if you had known what you know now, and you started over tomorrow? What would your name be? Oh, my name. Oh, I'm Andy. I mean, my full name is Andres, but <clears throat> Andy because that's that's just what I go. That's what I go by, by from everybody, my parents included. So Andy Acosta is my last name. Mm-hmm. Acosta A C O S T A is my last name. And frankly, I'm 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 trying to be. I mean, as much as I post on like Snapchat. <laughs> Everything else is like so secondary because like Facebook for me is like a family thing. I think I mean, you know, me and have talked about this and Gonzo too. Like we're Facebook's a thing, like it's its own thing. Twitter, I don't even have I don't even use Twitter anymore. Twitter's nuts, man. Yeah, it, yeah it's just really crazy. Hard. Instagram, I frankly have it because I like taking pictures and mm-hmm. I post them, I, I do my stuff and that's why I have three accounts. I have the Moving with Life account, I have my Walker account, yeah. and then I have my personal account. <coughs> because my personal account is me tied into yes. Moving with Life and picture taking. Then Walker strictly now just music. Where I was, like sometimes I wish I could post like five pictures a day in one. It's like it didn't make sense to post everything on a music page when it's musically, you know, mm-hmm. based. And so, so yeah. So going back to that question is like, uh, as far as if it's if it's nothing to do with my perspective or or what moves me, it probably won't be posted on social media. Which I think, with the exception of the six of us in here, a lot of other people use social media for out, as an outlet. Versus, yeah. hey man, just go see a therapist. It's good. Everybody uses a therapist. <laughs> I need a therapist. It's all good. I, I know that. Like, it's all good. You know, I love therapy. And, and I mean, it's made me think because I don't remember his name, but I just remember the, the principal. There's, there's a businessman. He sees a therapist just for personal growth. Like he literally goes to a psychologist, or whatever, just so he can, cause, just because he knows that it's good to tussle with somebody. And mm-hmm. they can help him grow, and that's the only reason why he goes. He didn't. He, he wasn't like medically like, oh, like you need to go see a therapist. No, no. He's like, I'm gonna sign up for this because I need this, and this is what help, this is what's gonna help me grow. Yeah. And that's uh, such an underrated thing too. Is like peop- there, there's such a strange stigma on yeah, yeah, the stigma on right like word. therapy and, and psychiatry and all that, and like 
speaking as someone who's been to to multiple, you know, for a, a vast array of, you know, anything from stress from school to like family and, and issues with that, you know, mm-hmm. it's like one of the most incredibly helpful experiences you can seriously ever have. Like whether whether, you know, whatever level your shit is on at any point, like talking to somebody who understands how the human mind functions yeah. can really help you get a grasp on how much you don't understand yet and yeah. help yeah. you to figure out like the healthiest ways to understand it. It's wild. It's absolutely yeah. wild. I remember going through, um, I had a lot of problems with my mom, uh, like my freshman year going to sophomore year, like we were just like on in completely different realities. But, um, Anyway, I remember. I hope you're I okay with that mentioning time. that. Yeah, I hope yeah. you're okay with, with me mentioning this. But D actually is the one that suggested that I go um, to therapy because we had free counseling services mm-hmm. on uh, on on campus, and so I totally took advantage of that and totally changed the course of my life forever. So, and then also gratefully, I have great friends here that that will open up on those conversations too. So. Right. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, that, and th- that and that's what I b- that's what I've been doing these past couple months. Since I discovered Dr. Brene Brown, which now we can probably dive into a little bit, <laughs> John's like, uh, "Okay, let me, let me, let me take a it's drink. Your let, me <laughs> let me take a drink of this." Is real this quick. where I should take a break? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, but it's interesting because you know, like right now, like the 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 stigma, the 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 perception we get growing up, like, oh, if you go if you go to counseling, then there's something wrong with you, mm. and 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 I feel like we're we're I feel like we're gonna be the people to say like, no go like it's it's actually good for you it's right. a, it's probably gonna do you more good than bad and e- and even the concept of the podcast <laughs> is like being vulnerable on here like I, i've kind of brought that up this past month and I, w- I try to bring it uh as far as you know eddie right now you know like he, he had to get counseled good go do it if i mean it's gonna do it's only gonna do you good more than likely mm-hmm. and like being being comfortable with talking about stuff like that because i know dr Bernie. what what got you to dr Bernie brown john um the first time I heard of, I think I, I had seen like a, a TED Talk clip of hers, which uh, yeah. a few of those have been viral, but I had totally forgotten about it. And then I actually heard her reference uh, in a sermon I heard a couple months ago uh, about. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. okay. Um, and uh, it was a, it was in reference to, uh, which is something I know that, that we talked about, um, true friendship and being mm. having friends who are willing to be, who you can be vulnerable with. Um, and who are willing to like there's a there's a proverb that says better better is uh, the wound from a friend than uh, multiple than kisses from an enemy mm. and saying like you need people who are going to speak truth that might hurt a little bit might be a blow to your ego but is ultimately mm. can bring something out better than you maybe rip something out that needs to be ripped out so something better can be planted in its place yeah. um, so she was referenced in regards to that um, and so I listened to uh, a couple like hours worth of audio bur- books from her yeah. um, and just some of, some of her teachings on, on that, on vulnerability and also on shame. Um, and she's obviously have some, some wisdom and some good perspective yeah. on, on those things. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to remember where I, where I got introduced. Cause have you heard of Marie Forleo? No. She's like a, she's like, she's a life coach. She has her own like YouTube channel. Uh, who else have I heard? Cause I, Dr. Bernie, obviously, because she's been on all these things, but the ones that attract me, and I've, cause I, I, there's episodes on this, so I, I don't want to get too deep into it, but um, there was one where she brought up the concept of friends, and like there's or six char- six characteristics, six different type of friends that you don't want to have. Like you, you're mm-hmm. better off mm-hmm. not having. And one of them's like comparing, basically comparing yourself with somebody else, 
no, no, not judging somebody else, or or are your friends really judging you? Like, are they trying to help you? You know what? You know if they're judging you, then you probably want to, you know, at least be, I guess, be hesitant to like, okay, you want to, you if you want help, you know, seeking right, which is what we're talking about, you know, right here, and that's the whole point of what I feel, uh, I was able to tie in with a podcast is like, man, it's like, what else, uh, what else will I discover through this journey? Because all I've been Everything I listen to on YouTube or read is uh, type of leadership, business concepts, now vulnerability through Dr. Brene Brown, which led me to the book Mask of Masculinity, Masculinity mm-hmm. which I brought up uh, by Lewis Howes. Have you heard of yeah. that book? Yeah, I've heard of that book. I really want to read it. It's r- Okay, I, I, had, I read it. It was my book of the week last yeah. week, so I read it last week. And uh-huh. my epi- the episode I did last week, which is episode 47, uh, I went over one chapter, and it was the – it wasn't the know-it-all chapter – it was the invincible chapter. And so basically what Lewis House did in this book was he says men have all these types of masks because of our past, which t- Water Heart ties in here. Mm-hmm. But so there's like the athlete mask. There's the stoic mask. There's a know-it-all mask. There's the joker mask. Uh, there's several. And for me, while I have multiple masks, and we probably all do, like w- w- if we were to go th- through that book, we probably all would have multiple ones. But for me, what tied up, more than because the last chapter is alpha mask but what tied in even alpha into this one was the invincible mask feeling like mm-hmm. like you can the example sh- he gave was tussling between workaholic workaholism and then the ego ego that there was two little concepts that, she, that he brought up and for me what i've been dealing with all of november well all of november leading up to now was uh physical exhaustion yeah. like my like i've i've I reached the point in November. Uh, I was going through a situation with a, a girl, and and so my thing was my my primary mask is the athlete mask, mm-hmm. right? So what I do when I get pissed off, I go work out, I go to jujitsu, I go lift weights, I go run for you know four or five miles or whatever. I do something physical because usually that works and that's it and it's actually good for you. Yeah, it's great. Well, I was going, mm-hmm. and I was going through. I was so pissed off, and I start running. Mm-hmm. And I didn't stop until my legs gave out. But my mind was still not – usually I can go – let's say I go to jiu-jitsu and I roll for an hour with my friends or whatever. We have a good time. We learn some stuff. Usually that gets my mind clear, and that wasn't working. So reading through this – the whole, my whole point is reading through this book and is how it – the timing couldn't have been better. Yeah. And, like, going through this, I'm like, man, why – I had never gone through a situation in my mind that my physicality – couldn't take care of in that sense you know uh mm-hmm. one thing tony robbins says i don't know if you guys have heard tony, tony yeah, robbins of course Absolutely. so one thing he says you know get, if you're in your head you're dead that's one of his things mm-hmm. and so uh, so i i use that concept most of this year i'm like okay if i'm in my head i'm dead i need to work out get you know release you know that tension but this situation is like man like what the hell it was, it was new for me yeah and and i i want i want to wrap it up there i mean tie it up there as far as the whole uh, vulnerability but it was very interesting uh, going through that ordeal mm-hmm. and then because I, I mean for for two or three weeks i was working out four or five hours a day that's including going to work and whatever Jeez. i was waking up early going for an early run midday midday workout then a night workout and and that's i nuts. and i was because i was going I'm like why is not why is this not working mm-hmm. and i read this book and i'm like because i'm not invincible you know, i'm not like my mind you know i you're I not Mark Wahlberg trying <laughs> after the Eagles. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it, it, and I don't, I don't know 
if you guys have any insight as far as maybe maybe you can bring up maybe some of your masks that you guys have experienced or maybe uh let's say there's there's an athlete there's a joker mask which essentially like the way i think about it the principle of the joker mask is um laughing out everything i i know right. i know plenty of people that kind of laugh about everything it's like okay let's just move on yeah <laughs> when is the time to be serious right yeah. right it's like when and, and but and we're going i still want to go into white heart in a bit the funny thing about jokers is they're also <coughs> tokers and uh men no i got the lyrics get, wrong no, dang it joke joke ruined <laughs> right. so eddie has the joker mask I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, i'm seeing what, some what warning, signs. warning signs <laughs> i made that joke already Joker Dude, mask. We made that joke right. at Bojangles earlier this morning. <laughs> joke around with smoker. Around maybe, with uh, maybe then we need some exit keep signs. A, keep an eye out for Eddie's rap album next year. Street signs. <laughs> Street signs. With the Z. Dude, I just oh. I love that cover you did. That Coldplay cover was perfect. Uh, the the scientist. <laughs> Coming to a merch table. So are those okay, other masks so we're talking about? yeah, signs yeah. versus fact. <laughs> so the other masks. And now I wish I would have bought the book because I, I would have just. Told Let's all take the Joker mask. So, off. <laughs> yeah. so, mask. so there's the athlete mask. There's a stoic mask, and stoic was a big one for me because I I read uh, meditations often. Like I like the, the whole I uh, I got it as a gift last year, last Christmas, mm -hmm. and I'll read it probably not once a month, but maybe once every other month. I'll just go back and just boom. So I even did that. I got where I, my mind was like, okay, let me just go stoic. Let me just do that, and it didn't work. Let me go athlete. So there's stoic, there's athlete, there's a joker mask, the know-it-all mask, the alpha mask, which I think alpha's a, uh, alpha's a big one, mm -hmm. uh, which ties, I mean, obviously ties into ego. The invincible mask. Let me just look it up. Give me a second. Yeah, get sure. that. But if you guys, if you, I don't know if you guys so want to give some insight on the one I, I've mentioned so far. While, you, while you're doing that, because I don't have a immediate, having not read the book, yeah, yeah, I don't have yeah, an immediate yeah, response, kinda, yeah, yeah. but I have a thread to pick at for okay. a minute. Um, and I think it's something that kind of ties in, ties in the masks and ties in even what we were talking about before with social media and also with just kind of examining our life and our purpose and our generation is because we're, I would say that we're all like, everything we're talking about here is kind of self-awareness, right? Um, and there is, there's a spectrum. Self-awareness is a good thing. When we're aware of our problems, it allows us to grow. But then the other end of that spectrum is narcissism and being so obsessed with yourself that you're willing to manipulate your yeah. image, manipulate how other people think about you, and you're yeah. always more concerned with that than anything else. Right. Um, and so I, th I think kind of one, one thread that has been coming up for me lately is, okay, where am I on that spectrum? <coughs> am, I, am I looking inward because it's a natural tendency of mine and I really want to try to improve and fix this? Am I seeking out good advice and counsel and therapy like you guys were just talking about? Yeah. Or am I just, are my inner fears coming out where I'm trying to protect my self-image, put on whatever mask that may yeah. be, which right. is really just, a, I think, like a, a subtle form of narcissism. Um, there's a there's a quote that I that I saw the other day that is good on this by uh, a guy named Tim Keller. Uh, it's nothing makes us more miserable than self-absorption, the endless unsmiling concentration on our needs, wants, treatment, ego, and record. And that's like been playing back for me is just heading down the other end of that spectrum where it's great to listen to stuff like this and listen to these kind of like self-help philosophers or psychologists, um, yeah. which have a lot of good things to say, but you take it too far to one end and you're just way too focused on yourself and you need to get out there. Like you were saying, get out of your head. Yeah. Go do something. Go serve somebody. Take the focus off of you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
And and uh, uh, what was I say? As far as that, because even that, because there's one time, there's one week, there's several events that happened in one week, and this was like in the middle of November, and and we had practice, and I I, I didn't feel well, and I was like, man, like, I don't want to bring this to the band, so I just went to because re- we had rehearsal that day, so I went to rehearsal, I tried my best to just. Cause we're, I think, I don't know if we're working on a new song or not. We were, yeah, right? we're working on a new one. So we were, were arranging gonna, a new one. So, so we were doing that, and, and I was like, okay, you know, be, be, be here in the moment. You know, don't, get, don't get in your head again. And, and then later on that night, cause I, I left right away, cause I'm like, hey guys, I, I gotta go. Cause we, as it is, as it is on Wednesdays, um, I usually finish the podcast up, upload it, so it's up by Thursday, and it's all, it's all good to go. So that was my excuse, mm-hmm. to, hey, no, I gotta, I gotta go finish this up, whatever. And then Eddie, Eddie texted me like, "Hey man, are you okay?" I was like, "I was like, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not okay. I'm not okay." And, and so we so we talked for a little while and and whatnot. Uh, but the main thing, cause that I brought up to Eddie was like, you know, I got so deep. Hurry, newbie. <laughs> just, go, just go. You're good. Uh, got one over here, man. <laughs> uh, but one thing that cause we're talking and and then I brought up the point that I got so deep into my head that. I was beyond asking for help. It's not that I didn't know it, or that I, it's not because when you asked me, I'm like, I'm not okay. I I, I realized that, but where I ha- where I had gone was like, I didn't even think about asking for help. I was like, oh my god, what's this? So one thing I as far as narcissism, because I because that was my conclusion. I was like, how can I be so fucking selfish? Mm-hmm. That's what I came to at the end. I'm like, I, I just need to let this thing go. And as as soon literally as soon as I let it go, within 20 minutes, I felt better. Yeah. And, yeah. and but but it took me two weeks because that was two weeks like prior that I talked to Eddie, yeah. and I'm like man I, I need like okay this is not okay and he called he and Eddie called me and we talked for like an hour, and we talked about several things, but but I did come to that you know tussling with okay I I I, I should probably get help the only way I know how to help myself because I think about okay because this is honestly and this is a, this is good in, maybe an insight for me for you guys is like what I const what constantly I think about is. If I ask for others for help, mm-hmm. then they get off the task of whatever they want to do. So I tussle with that too, because I I I feel selfish sure. in that aspect. And then you're kind of you're not even giving them the ability to make a decision for themselves on whether they right. help you. No, which you're is right. in, absolutely which right. Which is inherently more self-focused. Yeah. Right, and see, and see, I haven't had this conversation yet. You know, like you know what I mean? Like you know, you know, you know what I mean? That, yeah. That's the whole point. And that's and again this t- and this this is my whole concept of moving with life of of actually moving. A lot of mm-hmm. people say, "Oh, hustle, take action, do this," <coughs> and and move with life was. <laughs> it's funny the way it happened, but that's a different story. But it's like the what I'm trying to bring is like the actual like actually move like get your ass moving, whether it's asking a friend for a uh, friend for help, running, doing whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh, like I said, at this point, I had got okay. Let me read the mask. So it's the stoic mask, the athlete mask, the material mask. Okay. So materialistic mm-hmm. things, uh, the sexual mask, the aggression mask, the Joker mask, the invincible mask, the know-it-all mask, and the alpha mask. Wow. Yeah, man. Guilty. I feel like I Guilty. wear the uh, know-it-all <laughs> mask sometimes, and I wish we, uh, I wish me, I wish me and Freund had the record button on, like for the past couple conversations we had. We had. <laughs> I heard okay, just a yeah. quick side note. I heard you guys. I'm like, I hope they know that we're gonna have to talk about this over again. <laughs> <laughs> I could hear you guys. I'm like, okay, we're gonna yeah, we're gonna. Well, we won't talk about it. Or all we just exhausted our <laughs> ideas and we have nothing left. Yeah, but um, 
man, we talked about a lot of a lot of great things this morning and and last night, and and it's been great catching up, of course, because me and Freud haven't seen each other since since I moved back home, which early has been aughts, I think. <sighs> Says what? What? Did I miss a joke again? That <laughs> happens did. a lot. Um, anyway, it wasn't a good one. But it, it's been like <laughs> a little over two years now since I've seen this dude, so it, it's been great to like actually catch up in person. But um, man, like I. I we're talking today, and, and I really realized um, today more than ever that sometimes I wear the know-it-all mask, whether I like to think about it that way or not, because I feel like I feel like I'm one of the more humble people that that I, I guess I, I could say I'm humble anyway. I think I'm humble when Dude, it comes I am to so humble, so <laughs> humble um, when it comes to when it comes to what people define me as. Right, what the outside world sees. Like I don't brag about myself. I hate bragging about myself. I'd much rather hear about someone else's perspective and. And all that stuff. So yeah, I feel like I would be considered humble to most people right, right. that I would meet. But in my mind, when I'm like processing um, emotions or things I'm going through um, personally or internally, I realize that sometimes I take on a really know-it-all uh, mentality mm -hmm. because just because of the fact that, like, um, you know, I like try to stay educated as far as like the self-awareness aspect. Like me and you both trade off a lot of the same books and yeah. a lot of the same. Um, podcasts we listen to and a lot of the same people were influenced by that talk about mostly self-awareness yeah. things and so like that in it in itself kind of created some kind of like know-it-all mask in, in front of me and i've like been been kind of trying to bring that down a little bit mm -hmm. when it comes to processing things internally and and sorting out things that need sorted out mm. yeah super crazy i think a lot of like the know-it-all mask too lends itself to the alpha mask i would assume because because mm -hmm. yeah. a lot of times the know-it-all mask is is just a way of trying to prove that you are the alpha that you you're <laughs> the alpha in the room that you've got it yeah <laughs> and that you have your shit together and i think that's like a really slippery slope that a lot of especially you know all of us being somehow tied into music industry <laughs> it's so easy to find something wrong with somebody else's band with their performance with whatever yeah. it is and you're the know-it-all when it comes yeah. into that and it's yo they should be doing this they shouldn't be doing you know they should say this this way they should go up here they should do this there and kind of be in the know-it-all well it's it's all serving the purpose of trying to show that you're on top of it mm -hmm. you know that you're the alpha and <coughs> kind of you brought up dan keen earlier which like lends to another <clears throat> another little known kind of like music industry, not just music industry, but it applies of abundance theory is, is what he calls it. And the idea is that like when you have that alpha mask, that know-it-all mask, you view your industry or wherever you're at as a mountain. And that the peak of this mountain is so defined that there's only room for one person to stand on top. And that's just not the case with most industries, especially this one. Abundance theory is it's a really high plateau and <clears throat> there's room for everyone at the top. And that's what people like. I, I mean, I am guilty myself more than most people that I know of, of things like that. I'm really quick to try to break down, to analyze, not not necessarily in a, in a negative or a critical way, but it's more so to show like, I think I know what's going on as much as anyone. And now we talk a lot of shit. Yeah, we yeah. do. <laughs> we do. <laughs> but e but even to the same extent, like we say a lot of positive things about other people uh, sure and do. other and yes. other music. But I think a lot of times too, we get into a habit of 
let's say a lot of positive things to prove that we know a lot of positive things. And, and, and like, while they may all still be true, like, I think that's something, you know, men especially, you know, and, and really of any, any generation, any age bracket struggle with that and not understanding to, or, or whether we understand it or not, like, even if we know there's room for every single one of us at the top to excel at the highest level, at some point, like because of that alpha mask, we don't want every, you know, we don't want that. We don't want there to be room at the top. We want it to be a peak and we want to be the guy that's standing on it, kicking everyone else in the head while they're trying to knock Mm -hmm. us off. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that, that I'm guilty of, you know, for sure. you know, in small things and kind of on a large scale, you know, that, know-it-all mask really pushes you behind the alpha mask immediately for sure and you know what's funny is that um the more and more that we talk about this the more and more like it it sets in stone for me someone i've been thinking about for a while is that we're really quick to call out the um like the negative things or things that we would do differently you know being behind the know-it-all mask and we're criticizing maybe in, in a music example we're criticizing someone's performance or the way they recorded a record or the way they wrote this song a certain way or whatever um but we're really quick to criticize the things that we're critical on ourselves on and that maybe we've Mm. made mistakes on Mm. and and that's how we know to point that out because Mm. it's been pointed out within ourselves either by other people or by or by ourselves so right yeah yeah i agree with that um since everybody's talking about their masks though uh just from the list that you that you gave yeah. from from the book, I noticed that um, that I I put on a very stoic mask a lot of the time. Uh, like I was talking about earlier, I'm super introverted. Uh, but <clears throat> in college, I I switched and I put on a very extroverted facade, uh, especially like later in college, and I uh, really faked being being extroverted and being outgoing for a while uh, because I thought that's what I wanted to do and I w- how I wanted to be and how I wanted people to see me. Um, but after college and not being around all the same people that I was with and all of the friends that I had made, um, I fell right back into like who I, who I think I am like naturally or, or the, the, the sort of mass that I, that I naturally put on uh, a lot of introversion, a lot of stoicism, um, and like, especially at, at work at this new place and like being in a really young environment and everyone's super lively and like, you know, everyone's, uh, got this, this, uh, this like spice for life about them. Like I, I feel like when I'm at work that people might notice me more if I'm a little bit quieter or I feel like I'm thinking about something or it's weird. It's weird how yeah. that how that psychology works um but on that same coin i feel like a uh uh a mass that's been really uh prominent to me as well is the sexual mask and not even to to other people or to other guys or to whatever uh, but to myself and uh how i've coped with a lot of things and a mm-hmm. lot of yeah. uh, situations that have gone on and um I mean, Eddie's been through a lot of that shit with me, um, yeah. you know, dealing with 
uh, with breakups and like the aftermath of the breakups and especially through college where like the tinder thing was was a thing for it was peaking <laughs> it, i was yeah 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 the tinder was was at peak was strong was was strong tinder game was tinder game was strong back in the day uh if i recall we uh not to interrupt on your oh story <laughs> here we go <laughs> It's not, no, it's not about you specifically, okay, okay, but um, I remember we were going to a friend's wedding in Dallas, and then when we finally reached the yeah. city limits of Dallas, um, I saw you got on your phone. I was like, what you doing there, buddy? And man. you're like, I'm checking all the Tinder game on Dallas. And yeah, we, man. And then we all started checking the Tinder game on Dallas. <laughs> Yo, everybody was on the Tinder game. Like, as soon as you go out of town, that's like the, that was the thing back then. Um, but yeah, that was. I think those two things were, were probably my are still probably yeah. my biggest masks yeah. um and how i cope with a lot of feelings that i have and a lot of mm -hmm. situations um like whenever i'm stressed or whenever i'm feeling uncomfortable i put on a stoic mask and i i, I shut down and i get in I get in my head a lot yeah. yeah um or when i'm feeling like i'm inadequate or i feel like i'm not um I'm not serving a purpose or I feel uh, self-conscious in any way. I put on a sexual mask and I try to find fulfillment. The outlet. And the outlet. Have a, have a outlet. Yeah. 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 Through that. Uh, so that's, I think those are my main two. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Super interesting. I think I have, go, go ahead. Well, now I'm going to go since you two can't decide. No, I just want to like commend D for being like super like vulnerable about that because I feel like that's a really like hard mask to be yeah. vulnerable about for yeah. for a yeah, lot of people. Yeah. So kudos yeah. to you, man. I hey, appreciate that, man. That's that's kind of where I was gonna go. Is is that's that's got to be. I, I mean, I'll I'll ask panel here. Is that the hardest thing to admit, especially for you know, looking around the room, I see five other men of character, you know, that I, I would consider you guys people that I've looked up to at, at certain points or, or relied on or depended on or as an example that, you know, for my son, I would say this is somebody that you should look at to emulate. So the guys that I look at and say they have their shit together, is that not something that's got to be the hardest thing to admit that every man struggles with? And I would have such a yeah. hard time believing and, and <clears throat> think, you know, my mom will never listen to this. But like, right. <laughs> I, I mean, I would hate to know what my mom would think Yeah, about the yeah. fact that like and, and when it boils down to it, uh, it's on some level, she has to know, you know, she has to know, yeah. you know, my girlfriend has to know my grandmother has to know men struggle with that like men yeah. have that mask and, and it takes some absolutely either some extreme circumstance or some just divine intervention vulnerability some kind of something to get us to to take that to to admit that we wear that mask yeah well, I, you know. I know it took me a long time to admit um especially with the with the sexual stuff like it took me a lot of uh introspection and really trying to dig around and see where um not necessarily my faults but like my outlets and uh and how I cope with things it took a very long time and a lot of uh a lot of really hard discussions with myself to like really come to terms with it and even when I like went to therapy and talked to this dude about that I don't know about like my life 
you know, um, yeah. it, it took a second and, you know, I felt comfortable and I felt like, you know, I could trust him, but, uh, it still was, was tough even, you know, bringing that up with him. Uh, yeah. So yeah, yeah. it's, it's, it's hard. Yeah. Question, question about yeah. that. Mm-hmm. If, if you could, b- before we continue, can you like sum up the idea of the sexual mask in that book? Yeah. I'll read exactly what's on the website. Sure. An alpha man is defined by his sexual conquests. He, mm, his okay. worth determined not only by his bank account, but by the amount of women he slept with. Relationships? Those are for lesser men, for quitters and settlers. A real man loves them and then leaves them, but he's so good in bed, they're left fully satisfied, of course. Right. <coughs> That's the mindset of yeah. that sexual mask. Great. So, uh, so that that extends even further than just what people would consider like sexual, you yeah. know, like that's that's where it starts to get really really dangerous. Yeah. yeah. Like you're defining yourself by uh more or less sexual conquests mm-hmm. and uh, and how well you you do those you do. things. How yeah. well quote, quote how, unquote you how do. How well you do, quote right. unquote. Um and I mean that aligns pretty pretty well with It's crazy, dude, cuz I and I br- I brought it up briefly like but like porn and all that stuff yeah. like I mean and mm-hmm. the thing is like I substitute teach as well dude yeah. there are sixth graders talking about it like they fucking know it their whole life right like they're like thirty that's yeah. the that's the sadly the culture and the generation that we that we're growing up in yeah. and it's great book on this by the way quick plug every man's battle um, mm. who who mm-hmm. by who I have no idea but yeah okay. <laughs> the, the book go get it in a bit. I have the book I'll I'll I'll, I'll grab it before the end of this um. But uh, talking about, huh, that's been sitting up there for a while. I can't believe that photo just fell off that place. Um, <laughs> talking Jeez. about the, the sexual mask in a way of the, the highs we get, even the idea of looking at it as like, like the word conquest reveals a lot about mm. okay, what yeah. that's actually it's doing. It's very specific. Us. Yeah, he And also, revi- also reveals a lot about the harm that it does to women yeah, um, and people in our lives. Um, but the, just the, the rampant pornography addiction, how you can get that that minuscule conquest any time you want in, you know, mm. a few seconds. And it's, it's, it's prevent, it's so prevalent, but it's also, it's so easy. Mm-hmm. Um, out of all these masks that we're talking about, like some are, some are easier, some are harder to put on. Um, but our culture is so sexually driven and our idea of sex is so far off from how it actually is and what it, was created to be and people have tons of different opinions on that yeah but the truth of the matter is it's really easy to get to get to put that mask on to get a quick little high off of it that can end up destroying you can end up affecting people in your life yeah and like newbie was saying and d was saying it's really hard as men to talk about that and to reveal it yeah um once somebody does and this is going back to what you're saying about renee brown and vulnerability typically what happens is somebody raises their hand says they yeah i struggle with this Everybody else is like, yeah, me too. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then you realize, oh, okay, like I've been dealing this in my head, like I'm the only one. Right. Um, but you know, as, as C.S. Lewis says, like friendship begins the moment someone else, so you look at someone else, and says, oh, you too. Like, yeah, you know, we all we we have the same struggles here as men. Yeah. Well, and I think that's a hard thing to be vulnerable when you finally find <coughs> that relationship. Uh, that's one of the hardest. Th- you know, you can you can even open up to your friends, you know, to guys that you trust, you know, on some level, I think as a society, we're starting to understand that all men struggle with that. Yeah. 
what's really hard that I've found is opening up to some to a female that you really mm. care about. You know, mm, I, yeah. I have I have a very a serious girlfriend at, at yeah. this point, and, and I I see a very very long serious future with her, mm. and that's something that that is very difficult to bring up with her. You know, because um, because when you have a loving relationship, you know you obviously want some healthy aspect of that in your relationship down the road. Yeah. And trying to be, you know, to be vulnerable with somebody that, you know, in the back of your mind, they struggle with this too, is a lot easier. And we know how hard that is on its own, but how much more difficult it is to tell somebody that you want to create a future with. This is something that I have seriously, fucked myself up on for a long 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 time mm-hmm. and it's gonna take a while you know to recover and as my counterpart in life and in that aspect you know and, and that's what it, you know what will what i see in the future for us i also need your help you know to over time redefine help me learn what a healthy relationship with a woman is supposed to look like because we get so blinded by it and and it's almost impossible to bring that up no matter what point you're at and and i mean i've I've made you know i've brought up family things you know you say jokes you wouldn't say to anyone else even when you get to a point where you're absolutely at your most comfortable i would argue there are men that have been married for 25 years that will not tell their wives oh yeah that they struggle with porn Right. Well, okay. So, so let's go off of that. So imagine. So this is the biggest thing that that I've seen it because we're we're willing to adapt because we want to serve a, big, a higher purpose. Think about your dads. Think about your grandpas. Like think about where they grew up in. Like it's totally different. And that's the only that's the only thing I bring up with that because that's very real. And and I, that's the only that's the only point I, I wanted to bring up as far as this goes because whenever I whenever I now converse with an older man about anything, I try to take myself and. This is where, because I'm trying to work on my empathy as well, is like, okay, literally put yourself in his shoes. Okay, he's, let's say, 50-something. So he was born in the 60s, was raised in the 70s and, like, 80s, right? Mm-hmm. So think about how time was then, and then think about their dad. Yeah. Because that's the only way I've been able to, like, cope with older people <laughs> is the fact that they were raised differently. And, and because the times were different, and we're willing to adapt, especially us here in this room, even through this conversation right now, is is just simply that. Now, interesting about having this conversation, you know, with your significant other uh, newbie, uh, there's this there's this acronym that Dr. Brene Brown brought up. I talked about it several episodes ago. I'll probably put in the sh- put in the show notes. But there, the the acronym is Braving. That's off her latest book called Braving the Wilderness. Again, that's a plug. That's just because the book's really good, and <laughs> I don't. I'm, I always want to make sure to mention like, okay, we're not getting. I'm not. I'm. I'm. We're not getting any money for this. This is stuff that's helped us legit. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't. That was part. That's probably one of the main characteristics about what, what I'm. Tr- what I'm trying to do here is that anything I plug or whatever is like it's all in the show notes. Every single YouTube video I've watched, every single quote I've used, for the last you know eight nine weeks, I've tried to put them in and give everybody the same stuff that I've listened to or read. And like here, like you can also use yourself and hopefully go from there. Anyways, the concept is the uh, the acronym is braving. So the first one is boundaries which is you want to be clear and have them defined. So, and I think this, I, I, I think this could go over conversation because I think that conversation will come up where 
okay, hey, I, I, I see a, a long future with you. I think we, I think we need to have this conversation and then go about that. So, so boundaries is the first one. Reliability. You know, to the, and it, it, to me, it goes beyond two-way street because I feel like to be reliable is like you need to be reliable and they need to rely on you. But, but having that conversation will lead you to that. And then accountability. You know, can they count on you? Mm-hmm. Can you count on them? Uh, and then the vault. Uh, this one, the vault for me, because Eddie was on, you were on this episode when we talked about this several weeks ago. But the vault essentially is like, okay, if me and Eddie have a conversation about something very, like he's like, hey man, I need to talk to you. Like, don't tell anybody. Well, don't tell anybody. You know. Yeah. And so that's that's the, that's to me like that's where the friendship. But then. In the case of like you and your spouse, like there are some things that I, I just because I guess I, I see this in the workplace where people come and like, I oh, my husband did this, oh my my wife did this, or I oh, my boyfriend's such an idiot, or my girlfriend's such an idiot. You know, like you hear things like that, it's like, well, fuck, like you know, because <laughs> the thing is that now that I have this this small bit of knowledge, I'm like, well, damn, you know, like like this is shitty, you know, like like I feel like this is something. Okay, I don't want to be like that person. You know, in the sense yeah. of like the vault, right? I don't want to do that. So, moving on from the vault. So, integrity. You know, uh, choosing. Th- this is talk- Dr. Brene Brown's words. Choosing courage over comfort. That was a big one. Mm. That's a big one for me. That I've been not that, easy. Yeah, yeah, courage over comfort. It's a big deal. And I'll read my whole thing over this. It says, choosing what's right over what's fun, fast, or easy. Practicing values, not just professing values. Which a lot of people I feel like doing on on social media, and I'm trying to just live it. I'm literally just trying to live it, and even through this conversation, uh, non-judgment. Uh, the what she says is like I can fall apart, ask for help, be in a struggle, and not be judged by you, and vice versa. That's worked both ways. Mm-hmm. The next one is generosity. Uh, if you can assume that most generous thing about my words, intentions, behaviors, uh, check in with me, like check in with me, you know. Uh, the example she gave here was like, let's say, let's just say, my 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 grandpa passed away and Eddie knew about it, but he didn't say anything. That's just an example. <laughs> and so my job is to say, hey man, I wish I wish you would call like for us to talk about this. Like I, like I, I count on you, you know. But again, a tuition. But that's the whole point of generosity. And actually, that's the last one. That's my fault. I I, <laughs> I, I went through them pretty fast. Sorry, I'm sorry. But braving boundaries, reliability, accountability. Vault, integrity, non-judgment, and generosity. It's a good friend. And then, and and it, it, th- this acronym, you know, Brave is like, man, okay, that, because that what I what I, t- I talk to my little cousin a lot. He's sixteen. He's going through his own stuff, you know. And the, the empathy there is like, okay, remember when we were sixteen? You know, where were you at at mm-hmm. sixteen years old, and what you're going through? So now I get to talk to him about certain things, and and I think about you know this acronym is like, okay, be like this. You know, and start, you know, as young as possible. Because, like, he wants a question that he's asked me. is like, man, like, how would you be if you listened to this when you were my age? I'm like, bro, game would be changed, bro. Like, you don't <laughs> understand. Like, if I would have read this 10 years ago, because he's 10 years younger than me. If I would have read this 10 years ago, like, it'd be totally, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now, more than likely. And I'm like, but I'm glad I have it now, because I can give it to you. Would you, would you ever listen to it? Yeah, that's if, yeah. if you're, well, good if question. you're right, right. back 100 times in a row, out of those 100 times, how many would you actually take the advice? And, and right, no, good. That's a good question. I and, don't know. That's something that I think about a lot. It, not just with things like this, but almost anything. You yeah, know, yeah, like, you're right, right. If I would have told myself, you know, hey, change your major halfway through college, <laughs> yeah. or do this, or do that, change your major you know? five times, 
Ex- yeah, <laughs> that's I mean, what I no did. Shit. I, I, yeah. I, I did that five. I did five five or, uh, degree changes. Or like the biggest one, it's gonna be okay. <laughs> if if I went so back vague, and yeah. told my seventeen year old self, scared to death, filling out college applications, knowing I might move across the country, hey, it's gonna be okay. My freshman self, you know, yeah, being the absolute dumbass eighteen year old that I was and making all this mistake, it's gonna be okay. Out of a hundred times, if I could go back and tell myself that over and over and over and over again, yeah. I could hear it a hundred times, and I would still be sitting on this couch. <laughs> we still have this conversation years later, having this conversation because I would have never listened to yeah, it. Yeah, no, not even I agree. Once. And and so so my maneuvering with my cousin is that if I can just tell him enough, and I, but if I can live it too, because actions speak louder words. We know that cliche. And so I, my hope, my only hope is. That when the time comes for him to make a right decision, he makes the right decision. Yeah. So one thing I've learned, because like this, the same thing, like I, I'm the same way. It's like I wouldn't, like, you know, he's because I'm like you don't understand, like this, this that's not how it works. Right. But since I do know, since I do know it, and I'm trying, I'm trying my best to live it now. All I can help him with is bring up these things that I'm learning, and then ask him if he has any, if he has any questions, you know. Uh, one concept I got from Jocko Willink, which he wrote Extreme Ownership, which I read last year and changed my life forever. He brings up on on his on the website that they have for the the consulting businesses that open door policies don't work. Empty mm. chair policies work. Yeah. So you as the leader, you as the boss, you as the taking ownership of the situation, you get out of your chair. To see how your employees, to see how your people, to see how the people that you give a shit about are. One of the part of you doing this podcast is is kind of technology's version of an open chair policy, you know, because whether or not your cousin or whoever it is mm-hmm. listens to it out a hundred times out of a hundred, zero out right. of a hundred, yeah. you know, five, six years from now, when your cousin's on the other side and yeah. he's calling somebody, those conversations are going to translate probably a lot better and that's that's all i can hope for yeah and and that's the thing is it takes time Mm -hmm. to make massive changes like that you know to try to communicate that way and over time exponentially you know things get communicated better and better we hone in on it and Mm -hmm. at some point that conversation that he has with somebody will help them five years later right because you have the conversation with him now yeah. And that makes it for him. It's very specific because I know and I don't expect him to understand every single thing because I'm, I'm still working through this stuff myself. Mm-hmm. That pup. What <laughs> bucket? What would you guys call him? The horse horse dog? Deer, deer horse. Deer, deer horse. horse. He's a deer horse. He's a deer horse. <laughs> oh, man. He's so adorable right now. It's like laying there in your he's lap, newbie. Chilling. Oh, my God. And he's like four feet tall. 90 pound Spinosaurus laying <laughs> in his lap. <laughs> he's kicking his legs and I don't. I don't know why he's doing it. <laughs> oh man! But anyways, but yeah, and and frankly, because I've I've been asked a lot. Okay, what is your, I've been asked, what is your podcast? And I've I've brought this up several times because it's it's a it's kind of a reoccurring thing. Because I I even got asked like maybe like two weeks ago, like, oh, what do you do? And I was like, well, if you really want to know, <laughs> it's like I play music, I substitute teach, I exercise, train, I run a podcast, and and that's what I do. And and the whole point is like going through these conversations that then lead to something like this where, where we can sit in a room and then we just happen to fall into vulnerability because it's tied in with vulnerability is tied in with uh, 
Wild at Heart, which I still I'm still gonna get it. To, I haven't forgotten You'll about it. You'll yeah, get there. Yeah, that's something we're gonna get to. Like I, I'm not I'm and I'm not even procrastinating about it. I just know that we have a lot. We I know that we can talk Gender a lot about roles. it. Oh boy. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's just it's just it's very interesting to me because uh, lately, like I well I I just recently left the gym that I was working at because I want to concentrate more on the on the podcast. And and frankly, for for this year, for 2017, it was a shuffle between the gym and the podcast. I was like, okay, which one's gonna last longer? Which one do I do I care to actually give my time to? We're actually recording this from a gym right now. Walker's <laughs> just in, in between <laughs> sets. He talks, just and <laughs> we're just. If you can't hear us, it's because you know we're lifting. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but anyhow, anyhow. To your point, it's yeah, really yeah. E- it's really easy to have the open door policy. It's very easy when, when you hear, when your friend's going through a rough time, it's really easy to be like, hey man, if you need anything, call me. Or if you yeah. need anything, let me know. Like that really doesn't take any effort. Yeah. It, yeah. Is, it can be the, mar- you know, it's it's a friendly thing to do, but uh, ag- again, what yeah, you're saying, a true, empty chair. a true friend is like, goes and calls that person who's like, hey, let's talk about this really tough thing in your life right yeah. now. They're like, hey, I know you're struggling with this. Let me, you know, yeah. Let me help you out. Let me right. like bring you a beer and talk about yeah, this let's stuff. Talk about, yeah. Instead of just hey, you know, offers doors open, offers there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, and time back just real quick. Eddie texted mm-hmm. me like, hey man, are, is everything okay? And I was like, fuck no. <laughs> like I was like, yeah. no man, it's not. It's not. And he caught that. And, and I don't even know if we had talked about the open door policy thing before or not. We hadn't yet. No, but okay. I, it's just I get to like tell if something was up with yeah, you. Yeah. Like, oh, this isn't very like characteristic of Walker. I better <laughs> yeah, be sure everything's okay. Because usually we essentially have an unrecorded podcast after practice every time. <laughs> it's usually us three at the end of rehearsal and we have a conversation about anything, whether it's gigs or whatever's coming up next or what we want, whatever the next plan is. But anyways, that concept of empty chair policies, uh, very interesting one. So like the my point was because my cousin like versus saying, hey man, if you ever need to ask me anything, just ask me. No, hey man, do you have any questions? Mm, yeah. You know, hey man, what 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 or what are you thinking now? It's intentionality, really. Yeah. With your take, words. Yeah. 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 There's a word. And <laughs> it is intentionality. Bow. Bow. Not to be confused with internationality. Hey, we're True. allowed to say fuck. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean. Okay, say fuck for for effectiveness, not just just to right, say. Right. Not it. just to say it. Yeah, yeah man, I fucking know. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, but yeah, it's it's, it's <laughs> very very interesting to be here in this in this chair here now because, um, frankly, I didn't I didn't want to prep on purpose because I wanted to s- I wanted to see where it went and and it's interesting that we ended up with vulnerability and Dr. Brandy Brown and now, sex. <laughs> hey, sec- sec- the sexual matter. I think there's something. Real thing. I think there's something to be said about that, though because we spent all day. Together. Together, <laughs> dicking around, telling jokes and telling stories that I'm sure we will get to at some point. But how funny is it that when you actually get six dudes in the room together, the conversation goes to vulnerability and intentional topics first. What does that tell you about? Like, Yo, it, it's a real thing. On that point, I was actually talking to one of my really good friends. Uh, Eddie knows who she is as well. Um yesterday uh yeah yesterday we were talking just about like um the climate of uh you know everybody going down in the media for some sort of sexual harassment or a sexual mm. assault anything yeah. like that um and we were talking about how um and with one of the fraternities at, at our alma mater getting getting kicked off campus recently um not for anything sexual anything like that but 
uh, we eventually got to the point to where um, how guys need to be talking about um, about that kind of stuff. And it's only going to change if, if guys talk about those things. Um, it can't be, you know, all these women coming out and actually um, presenting their stories. That's not what's going to change dudes' minds about anything or change how, how guys act or how they um, handle situations. It's going to be guys talking with other guys. Yeah. And so... Like when I was uh, talking with her and, and trying to explain what, what guys talk about and what we actually, like my, me and my friends and the people that I surround myself with, what we actually converse about on a, on a regular basis is this kind of stuff, which is, I think, really cool that this is like, you know, proof in the pudding about like, you know, what we actually discuss. You know, we're not just kind of, this is, this is the locker room talk. This thing. is, this <laughs> is the real locker room. Right. That, we, yeah. that we were discussing and, uh, you know, I think I think a lot of people that don't necessarily have uh, um, the insight to these sort of conversations knows what what mm -hmm. goes on. But this is it. Like, even if these microphones weren't here, like we'd we'd still More be talking likely, about the same yeah. stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. uh, so I think that's pretty that's pretty cool that we do that. Super interesting. You know, what I've I've been thinking about as we've been sitting here having this conversation. Something that makes me feel extremely grateful. And it makes me super emotional. It's just uh, like, like for me sitting here, it, it's like uh, I have like the best of both worlds with me, right? Like I have like my friends that um, I mean Walker, I, I basically grew up with you, Jesus, <laughs> and then uh, and then Gonzo, we've been friends now since uh, like 2012 or 2013, I think, depending on when you actually started not hating me. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I never hated you. I know. I'm just I'm just messing with you. I had to, <laughs> 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 just had to make a joke, but. Um, uh, there's the Joker mask. Joker mask. And you know, so I have like my my hometown friends here, so to speak, right? And uh, and then I have like my Nashville friends, like my other hometown, so to speak, like friends here. And it's like it's funny. And then we all like get together here, and we're all like connecting on some of the same things. And and uh, I, I think about like like Walker, like having enough like um, you know courage and and um, and dedication to start a podcast that talks about all these things that, that you do on the, on your show and i'm like man it's like that that's why i'm friends with walker and then like and gonzo even though he's been quiet like same thing you know <laughs> and then um and then like you know like newbie same thing and then and then d the same thing and then you know like, i can like list a whole bunch of like same things and different reasons that like, man, <laughs> like <laughs> and frying <laughs> too <laughs> but uh <laughs> and uh but like you know, I've just had a whole bunch of moments today in, in this conversation that hasn't even been two hours yet. I'm like watching the time hasn't yeah, even it's good. barely going on two hours, and, and I've had several moments with everybody where it's like, damn, like that's why I'm friends with that person, man. Like you know, like uh, Freund today when we were at McKay's, um, and I'm like not trying to make up for like not kissing ass now, man. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> taking it that way at all. <laughs> but like not Freund, my friend uh, anymore. Freund today mm. when we went to McKay's for for anyone who doesn't know what McKay's is, it's the store in Nashville. It's, it's pretty. It has neat. A, it's pretty neat. It has a whole bunch of used books and CDs and vinyl and DVDs and stuff you can find that's been used and and uh, and you can find it real cheap. So it's a great resource place. And this is a paid plug, by the way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this part of the prog uh, the podcast is brought to you by um, anyway. But um, and we were at McKay's and we we're all you know looking for our books and our music and all that at discount prices and um, and the book that Freud mentioned earlier can you say it again uh, what it's called because I can't remember no uh, every man's battle every by man's wait hold on a second by, by Stephen Arterburn and Fred Stoker yes. and there you have it so and he found that book when we were when we were all looking for our own books and stuff that we were trying to find he found that. And even though he's already read it, even though he already owns probably one or two or more copies of it, he like still bought a copy of it. And he was like, 
that's a copy I'm going to buy for someone when they need it, and I'll give it to them when, when that time comes. And I was like, man, that, that's why that's I'm friends shit. with that dude. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Fuck, man. It's a great Dawes song. It's, too. it's weird that you say that, too, like about your hometown friends and, and all that. So, so, like, a little perspective. I've known Walker for, what, uh, a little over a year. Maybe yeah. four, 14 months tops. Yeah. And we've spent maybe a combined total of 15, 16 days in the same state yeah. ever. Yeah. And it's the same thing, I, you know instantaneously when you allow yourself to have those relationships with people, you open yourself up to something a whole lot larger to where I feel like if I were to get dropped in the Rio Grande Valley tomorrow, I would already have dependable friends, you know, more so than just Eddie. And, and, you know, I I can always depend on Eddie. Right, right, right. But it's one of those things that it just goes to show you if you're intentional with people, it doesn't, you know. You know, it, it helps to build those over mm-hmm. years and years and years, but it doesn't take that many interactions trying to be vulnerable with somebody, trying to be yeah. intentional with somebody, to actually make a change in their life. You know, so it's it's like you know you you say you have two hometowns and all that. Well, you know, a lot of the time, and the, and the good thing about being in a place like Nashville, kind of circling back mm-hmm. to why we're all here is. I don't know what you guys think, but I feel like I have 10 hometowns. You know, you could drop me in almost any state around here and I would have four or five people at least that I could call on that I know would immediately mm. take me in as family. Yeah, right. You know? yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool because even last year when we, we, were out, we were here for almost three weeks last year and and started with your talk and then. That, and that, that just opened up everything else. It, it was, it's, it's been a cool and quick process, too. Like, you know, you, usually I, I guess maybe this is like a, like a generalization, but where I felt like it took me a long time to, to trust people. But then there's some people that, boom, snap of the finger, mm-hmm. and it's done. Like, and even right now right, with, with John and, and everything that – because we'll get into Water Heart. But the, the, I bring up that book because it was so profound for me. And again, we finally get to have this conversation, which happens to have six of us. And even when D had called Eddie, and he's like, "Oh yeah," Eddie was like, "Yeah, we're gonna podcast and this and that." And I was like, "One, two, three, four. Five. We have six. He, hey, dude, he can he, he can join <laughs> us, man. Like, we have we have space. I knew I knew we had space, and that was the cool part. But uh, it because what this allows me to have is a peace of mind for the future. Like it, it allows me to be stoic in this sense of living the moment because there, there's I have the right people around me now. That I hope will stick around. Well, if everything, you know, if I keep doing what I'm doing and staying myself and we all maneuver appropriately with whatever we want to achieve or gain, uh, whether it's whether intuitively, intellectually, uh, physically, whatever. Um, But then to realize like, man, you know, the connection. And and one thing I did want to bring up was this is actually a positive thing out of like social media and, and text messaging and like the way technology works now mm-hmm. is that that's the optimism behind it. And I, for me, I mean, and I know, and I know why I'm like this, why I'm wired like this. So it, for me, it makes sense. But like the pessimism's always like there for me. Mm-hmm. So like when I finally found like, but there's also good, it takes me a little bit longer to mm-hmm. get there. Like I get there. At least I try to. I try my hard. Like okay. Like I'm. I have. I have a list of negative things. Like what the fuck's on the positive side? You know. Like, like there. There is dichotomy. And I've. 
Eddie, that was my favorite word last year, right? Dichotomy. Yeah. I, I use it so much. I still use it now, but I try to make my reference points uh, because that's where then the balance comes in. And it's so interesting. Uh, let's, let's dive into Waterheart now. Now, now I want to dive into that. Just Jesus, because. finally. <laughs> <laughs> just because I, I literally want to just talk about one chapter, but I, I want to expand on it. But what, what initially got you into Waterheart? Like, what got you to read the book? Um, I read, I think I read part of that book in like eighth grade. Oh, int- okay. Yeah. Originally. Yeah. Um, I had my, uh, no, not eighth, maybe ninth, one of those years. Yeah. Um, and my best friend, uh, Zach had, uh, had read it. Zach. 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 Yeah. Um, and he kind of shared some stuff with me and it was like a, you know, we were just beginning to start the transition and turn into men, and like, what does that even mean? Yeah. Um, <coughs> and and what initially struck me about it is he goes, at, he talks about the, gets at the core desires that men have that are that are specific to men, um, and that are placed in us and kind of where it goes wrong, where it goes right, um, and that's that was kind of my initial takeaway. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, like we he talks about. Uh, living, needing uh, adventure and needing battles to fight and needing a beauty to win. I'm like, yeah, and it really struck, really resonated with me that these are, this is truth. Um, it wasn't until years later, I think, um, a little after I graduated college that I re- reread the whole book again and got so into, I think, your favorite part of the book, which is the wound. Yeah. Uh, the wounds that we get as men from, from our fathers, from culture, um, from even just from ourselves, um, being born, uh, the the troubled people that we are um and and especially what resonated with me is the 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 struggles with women and taking taking our problems to women as d said is look uh, looking to that as some sort of answer um or a coping mechanism and the different ways that we as men cope so i got into it as right around the time i graduated college it was like i think i probably read it five times and six months and just kind of dove in a lot of theories. Not that I agree with every single thing he says in the book, yeah. but he's so the principles he's sp- that he spot brings on at getting yeah. to the heart yeah, yeah. and uh, the wild. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man. Well, for me, cause I, wild at heart, the, the adventure part, uh, it's really big for me because my dad was a truck driver. So I, I got to travel, I think in my, in six years, I traveled, you know, 40, 40 States or so, you know, of course here in the continental U S and and so I got I had that adventure, but then the the dichotomy to that adventure was, okay, well this is my dad's line of work, so if he was usually and usually he drove at night, so I was asleep at night, and while well, I was awake during the day because I'm a kid, you know I'm mm-hmm. six years old. I, w- I started going with him on my own when I was like five six years old, so that's when that's when my adventure as a, as a child started, but that there was always that disconnect, so then. And there's uh, and after reading Waterheart and the w- the wound's so profound for me because the conversations that I'm having nowadays, um, and especially well, I just barely recently uh, read Captivating, which is the fem- the fem- feminine version of the book. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> which was written by John and Stacy, which Stacy's John's wife. Stacy? Uh, is it Stacy or Stacy? <laughs> I thought it was Stacy. <laughs> is it Come not Stacy? I don't know, man. But her mom's got it going on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like I'm pretty sure because it's it's S T A S I. I would guess Stacy. Oh, yeah, that's that's 
Probably a Stacy. I don't know why I was thinking there was an extra T in there. No, no, it's Stacy. Just Stacy. It's because you've had three Mick Ultras. <laughs> <laughs> I've had one Mick Ultra and and two Yinglings. The oldest brewery in America. The oldest brewery in America. <laughs> this part of the podcast is brought to you. By <laughs> <laughs> but any, <laughs> but anyhow, um, shit. What was I talking about? Oh, captivating. Yeah, yeah, captivating. So like the point, and I guess the biggest principle is because I feel like. Once I was able to to get over these wounds and like talk to my dad about a lot of stuff, it's helped me now this past six months, and like the comp like now now, I can go. I feel like I can't go to him as, like for anything. Like D was saying, like mm. we're the, you know more recently than not, you know your your relationship with your dad. It's a friendship. It's it's true. Like mm-hmm. you can actually go to him, and I feel like that now. So whenever I have this conversation, male or female, because uh, frankly I'm pretty like like question driven, like both. You know. I feel like I feel like when I'm out in society, at least in my my circles over there in the valley, um, everybody's truly thriving for a conversation, and that's why they're all to me. That's why they're always on social media because mm-hmm. they would just want to know. But it's like, well, let's just talk in person. Yeah. And so, anyways, um, so the wound that, that's the reason why that was a big thing. But the the wound is tied into vulnerability. It's tied oh, yeah. into everything we've talked about, and. I should have I should have brought the book with me, but I didn't. Uh, I have I have a copy with me. Want me to get it? I well, think we have one on. No, there's no, one no. On the shelf right behind oh. us. Okay, I, I, that's fine. <laughs> I was like, yeah, okay. Uh, just because I had I'd have to, I'd, I don't want to go through it just because like it's it's a it's a uh, it's a deep chapter. Well, no, yeah, but I don't I don't want no because that 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 ruins the flow. It ruins the flow of, of the conversation. The flow. <laughs> <laughs> it does ruin the flow. Of the I'm kind of like a weird take on it. Uh, you read I, it, maybe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, um, cool. Go ahead. So I, I was given that book by a friend um, several years ago, um, kind of with the same intent. Um, but I'm a little bit of a different personality than uh, than you and, and John mm-hmm. in that I don't read a lot. Uh, I, I, I mean, text messages and comic books, that's about you know where I draw the line. <laughs> yeah. But this book was so profound for me, and I got so much out of this book. And to admit it, I haven't I haven't gone cover to cover on it, you know, and I think there's something to be said about that. You don't have to go every single word of the whole thing to be able to draw anything out of it. You well, know what I mean? Like it, it immediately resonated. I, I think it's in one of the early chapters, one or two, where there's this image of, you know, the kid standing there with the two plastic pistols on his hips and, and every kid has those two plastic pistols at some point. Yeah. And, and from then, like everything that, that would have been said at that point would have made sense, you know, for, for what I needed out of that book at that time. Yeah. And I don't know if, if the friend knew it or not or, or, or whatever it is, but some divine, you know, circumstance was that the part that I really, really, really needed in this you know, book was, you know, 30 pages in. <laughs> right. And, and, right. I, and I think there's something to be said, like you can get so much out of going through the entire text. And I think <laughs> even in, even now when I'm in a different place, if I read through the whole thing, I would get a lot more out of it. Right. But for anyone that may hear like, Oh, you're telling me to read a book, you know, blah, blah, blah. Go 20 pages in, you yeah. know what I mean? Get 20 pages. If 20 pages is your limit, 
because you'll get something yeah. out of it. Uh, I think even Joe Rogan's brought it up on his podcast as far as like reading books multiple times f- because of that reason. Your perspective changes over time. Mm-hmm. And for me, I've, I'm through my reading now since last year. I started reading heavily actually after here because I bought several books here and I just started reading them. And, uh, but from then until now, uh, I've already circulated through a few no, – no, I, I don't know how many books I've read. Over over 20, 25, I don't know. Either way, over that that amount of books that I've done, I uh, I've already found a few that I'm like, oh, I need to read this every so often. Meditations by Marcus Aurelius, Wild at Heart, um, Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink, which is a uh, Extreme Ownership is a uh, essentially leadership skills that were learned on the battlefield, the Iraq and Afghanistan war. Then take into business and how you can use them in life. That's yeah. the that's the concept of extreme ownership. And I've read that book probably four times since last June, and because that book is that that was my fo- that's my foundation. Whenever I started conversations, like okay, because it talks about like and that book goes on, on about ego check and a lot of principles that we actually brought up already today. Ego check. Um, uh, well, I guess one that one that I like is prioritize pr- prioritize and execute. So if you ever feel overwhelmed with something that you need to do. Or you have several things. Like if you feel you're stressed, yeah, prioritize and execute. Which what's the most important? What's gonna get you killed today? Or what? You know, and I go that extreme just because I, I I do that. Uh, but you know what? What's the most important thing that's gonna keep you out of trouble at this moment, and then go from there. But anyhow, that's that's probably the same thing for me with a wound. Is when I read it, I was like, oh, wait a minute. I need I need to pause here. I need to, because I think I think I even read the wound twice, like before I went on with the rest. Because I read the whole book in its entirety. Because it was so good, and and frankly. Eddie, when we came last year, Eddie's the one who brought me bought me my copy at McKay's, and he's like, "Here, man." He's like, "He's like, you you should read this book." And I was like, "You know what? No one really buys me books." And I'm like, "If someone buys me a book, then there there must there's a reason." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I read another book called uh, "Power of Myth," which I know Eddie and, and John were talking about. Er, they were talking about it a little bit earlier, which is by Joseph Campbell. That book took me three months to finish, just because it, it's pretty, it's very thorough. And I was like, "Man!" So. But once I got through that book, I read Wide Heart next because I was like, okay, Eddie got me this book. I'm going to read it next. And frankly, I was able to f- kind of fly through it and get the concepts because of how long it took me to read Power of Myth. But still, even even with that, I uh, I was stuck on the wound for a little bit. Like, oh, man. It's like, do I have a wound? It, made, it That's where my questions thinking started coming about because, like, do I have a wound? And it's like, well, no, I'm fine. But then, you know, you kind of go through it and it's like, well – and then going through the rest of the book and – and then the sec- I, th- I feel like the second chapter that was big for me was the, you know, having a beauty to steal. And then the concept of, uh, I don't, okay, I, I don't, maybe you can help me because I, I don't, I mean, I, I don't remember what chapter is in the book. But basically it brings up, you know, when you have that girl, that female that you, or your spouse that you have your eye on, but then that, that. Is this the golden haired woman? Yes. That, that concept. Can you, can you elaborate? So the golden haired woman, um. Mm. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If if I can hmm. find that, I'm sure that the the description in the book does a better job. Uh, but basically, he I think he's even stealing from another author here. Uh, it might be Robert Bly. Uh, but talking about the concept of the golden-haired woman being like for for a guy, we have this, um, you know, infatuation romantically happens to everybody differently. Uh, but one of the things that happens with the guy is just this total, this total, um, I guess persuasion and this convincing uh that a certain woman like is it and if we can as d was saying like 
if that's a conquest, like if we can win that girl, then we will be complete. Then we will be the man. Then we will be, then we will have what we want to have or get something. Um, and how it, it totally, once we get, we kind of fall under that spell in about one second and it throws off our sense of reality. It throws off the way that we look at that woman, uh, which then, then like end up hurting her down the road. I know that uh, I've certainly done that in the past. Um, and it kind of takes something to snap out of it. But the interesting thing he says about the golden haired woman, <coughs> which is kind of rings so true for guys that I've talked about it with is you can have that and it's kind of wearing off and then boom, you see somebody else across the room and she takes her place. And that's kind of yeah. what proves the point of like, you don't even know anything here and yet you're convinced like, oh, if I go talk to that girl over there, like then, then I'll be okay. Dude, and it's like, yeah, that's, it's, it's that's, a a, that's a real thing. Yeah, yeah. real, real thing. My question I I is here like, so w reading a book like that, and newbie kind of made me think of this, but reading only a small part of it, but one thing you get from reading a book like this is a lens, a lens to view yourself or to view others. So you read that, you get, okay, you bounce around this idea in your head, and then three weeks later, that situation happens to you in real life, or something exposing you, you go, oh my gosh, he was right. I just fell under the golden-haired woman syndrome, or oh wow, that's my wound acting up, and that must have made me act like that. So my question for for everybody else is like, what was what was a lens that was added to you either in this book or something Any else that you that you've read similar? I like that. Go if anybody wants to chime in on that. So I I mean I I kind of talk about extreme ownership, so we can. Well, I don't know if it kind of ties in, but I was gonna say um, the chain of this book of how it got to Walker here is. <laughs> Is um you know Freud lent me the book when I was going through a really weird time and and he was there for me for a lot of that uh, as were a lot of these uh, dudes in the room, but um like I, I was seeing this girl that just like it, it was an it was an okay relationship at the time but it wasn't like a uh, like you know um, um um a super positively filled experience necessarily you know there were a lot of things that I was going through and she was going through and, and those were were all factors at play not the get super um into the details of it but seems like a lifetime ago but <laughs> seriously <yeah. laughs> um, but what, whatever the case um you know freund when i was venting to freund about all these things i was going through um he lent me that book and then that book totally like changed my whole perspective and as you said like you know gave me a lens on on things and, and it's funny i was still seeing the girl at the time that you lent me that that book and i remember <coughs> showing her like this part of the book where it talks about the the wound with the father because it, it talks about not only the wound with the father for the the boy for the male for the son but also for the daughter and, and it touches on it briefly and and i haven't gotten to captivating yet but i'm sure it probably touches on that more in captivating is that is that right but um you know it probably talks about it for three to five pages in wild at heart the wound between the father and the daughter and i remember showing that part to the significant other i was with at the time and that just like brought her to freaking tears, man. Yeah. And and that was, um, and it was nuts to to watch happen. And, and I wish I had the um, the wherewithal at that point to um, to like soak that in because it just kind of brushed off my shoulder really quick because I was so naive at the time. But I wish I could like go back in that moment and and uh, maybe like press into that a little bit more and and find out the whys and the hows and yeah. all those W questions. Yeah, because one thing I do struggle with is that is like, okay, I made a mistake in my past. And the thing is, I brought this up on the podcast, so I don't want to get too deep into it, but I have very distinct certain memories that stay, and they're just little markers, right? And a lot, and, and the majority, honestly, the majority of them are like negative things. 
and I don't sulk on them, but it it gnaws constantly. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and like trying to like okay, so because usually the answer is like okay, just don't do it again. Like you know you know you messed up. You're aware of that, and so because you know you've done it, it's like just be better from now on. Which I try to which I'm working on, but it's at least for me it's like it it just lingers so far. And then and then sometimes I can forget about something for a year. And then it pops up again. It's like, oh Jesus! Like, yeah, like why do I have to remind? I don't, and this is totally rhetorical because I don't know where, where the heck I can go with this, but it just makes me think of of a situation like that, where I know that I've gone through situations like that where I know I fucked up, and then I'm like, well, okay, don't do it again. Okay, I I haven't done it again, but yet like that that guilt is still very strong, and that's and that's where shame comes in. That the whole shame concept, the the guilt shame. Here's a word for you: dichotomy is one of the best things the points that i've heard i think by uh brene brown uh, the difference between the two um in terms of guilt having the ability to drive you to change and make you aware of something versus shame being just makes you stuck in it and saying no i i am this i am this right i am this problem rather Mm -hmm. than the i have a problem i'm gonna expose it bring it out into the light tell a couple trusted friends and we can work on this thing together right this is a shame is like oh i keep replaying that thing in my head i'm always going to be this way like right. i'm always going to be the guy who misses his chance i'm always going to be the guy who overdoes it i'm going to get whatever it is rather than saying like man you know what i can work the my my past happened but i'm not held down by it right how can we work through this right and yeah then that's that's one of my vulnerabilities at the moment is that and frankly and, and frankly could be for me, I struggle with the selfish, the selfish aspect of it. I struggle with it constantly, because then I think about I'm like, well, why do? And because your point is great, is like, well, why not let the other person decide? And I've, I've been, I've been told that before. I had a good college friend. His name was John. <laughs> and and <It's> a name. <laughs> yeah, and and he told me the same thing. Cause I was going to something then, and frankly, when I was living in Corpus, I, I went to A&M Corpus, and I, I was living alone. I had my own apartment. I was. Mm-hmm. Because I was just everywhere. I wasn't in one place, say, and I wasn't in a fraternity because I was working and gigging at the time already. So I was alone a lot of time, a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, even at work, like, I, I mean, whatever. Work is work. But uh, one time he told me, he's like, he's like, well, why don't you let them decide? <coughs> and I was like, okay. And I said, okay. But I didn't, I didn't grasp it then. So now it's like, you know, it, it's, it's, it appears to be just as selfish to not ask for help which is what I'm working on, asking for help. Because a lot of times now is that I fall so I fall past even thinking about that. It's not that I shouldn't ask for help, but it's like I go from here to here, and the help was somewhere here. I should ask for help somewhere here, and my brain just goes default, aggressive on myself. Mm-hmm. And it's very interesting to go through that, those patterns. Like yeah. I said, my, my, my memories can get very vivid really quickly. And I think that, and this is a total side note, but like that's why my lucid dreams are probably like really lucid. Like I get some gnarly lucid dreams. I can tell you. Yeah. I can tell you how it smelled. I can tell how it looked. I can it's tell you like crazy. the windage. I can. I, I, I can tell you. Windage. Oh, like yeah, yeah, <laughs> the wind. <laughs> yeah, the wind. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's super interesting going through that because when because you I remember you telling me that story that I think probably led me to the or you getting me that book and then I finally read that book because you told me about what's go- what went on giving her that chapter and letting her read it. And I was like, damn, like that's intense. Like that that's some life changing shit, right? Walker's pointing at me, by the way. This is Eddie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh and so then from you, know, you a lot. Ozzy from there. Come yeah, on, sorry, yeah. sorry, 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 sorry. People are listening. I'm so sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. <laughs> uh 
Did anybody have anything? So, so kind of uh, on John's semi-rhetorical question about the lenses. It's not rhetorical. It's not rhetorical. At this point, you know, yeah. a lot of rhetoric is happening now. <laughs> mm, <so> rhetoric. <laughs> it, I, I mean, uh, I don't know if it's story time exactly at the moment, but kind of the, the, the way that that lens on that book works for me is the golden-haired woman versus the little kid with the six shooters, right? Mm. And for me, I read that book, you know, five years ago, and I don't understand the lens until five years later, you know, and, and that's the thing is <clears throat> you look at the difference, you know, for me, the golden haired woman, you know, the first time I read that book, just a, a brief anecdote, and I, I'll use a real name because I can't think of a fake name. I won't use a last name, but <laughs> freshman in college, there's a girl named either Laura or Lauren. We'll call okay. her. We'll say we'll say Lauren One of those two. Law. at this point. Lar. Uh, that I that I was in a class with, Low. and 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 the golden hair woman. You know, I see. I've, I've just got to college. I think. You know, if I talk to this girl, if I if I sack up and, and say something, yeah. you know, bam, there it is. It's gonna solve something. Yeah. And what I did was, <laughs> I hopped on Facebook, of course, and her name was Lauren, and I said, "Hey, Laura, what's up?" <laughs> and <laughs> and oh, of course, you know, I got corrected instantly, and a you know a week later. I was thinking, all right, I'll give it another shot. And I said, hey, Laura, how are you doing? And this is Facebook, right, where her name is written on the top of the message when you click it. Okay, so so golden-haired woman, right? And, yeah. and that instance in, in different, you know, setting and, and names change 100 times in a row through there. Fast forward to five years later where, you know, you're in a situation. And I think that's why this book is so important for, for men is because the story of the little kid with the six shooters on his hips is about being prepared to to tackle it, you yeah. know, being yeah. prepared to take action when you have the moment where the instinct shows up and you know this is something that I need to react somehow right now. And, and you fast forward to five years, you know, for me when I meet Allison, you know, and – something clicks and me and my infinite awkwardness and getting names wrong and saying <laughs> ridiculous things and stuttering over and over and over and over again. Yeah. I think the smoothest two hours of my entire life, like in terms of conversation with a woman happens in that exact moment. Right. And, and I mean, and it's, and it's odd because I can tell you, <clears throat> exactly like she walks into a meeting that I didn't want to be in and she has her arms crossed and she's not interested in anything that anyone has to say and all, and, and all of this. But the point is that you're ready to snap into action. So this lens comes where you start to realize the difference between golden haired woman and holy shit, this is important. Yeah, you know what? Yeah. And, and, and I think for me, this. that's where the lens comes in is knowing not just how to react but when, how to know. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, part of it is intuition and experience and all that. But, you know, that's the lens that I have from this book is knowing that if by some circumstance I, I didn't have that to come back on the instinct, you know, as men that we are bred into, that when it comes up after the thousands of failed attempts shot down, stuttering, saying ridiculous, dumb things 
every right word comes out at that exact moment when it actually matters. Right. So so that's kind of the lens on it is that at the end of the day, you're equipped already. You know, you know, you're born into it mm-hmm. by God. Right. And, and and when that is the path that you've got that he has for you, there's not really anything you can do to fuck it up no matter how hard you try or how many thousands of times that you've fucked it up yeah, in the past, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. previously. And, and, I, and I think that's, that's the whole reason for me why that imagery is so important is knowing that no matter how awkward you are or how smooth you think you are or what kind of personality you have as a man, every single one of us has that, has the, the sheriff, you know, the deputy, whatever, all the equipment right there so that when shit goes down, you've got it in you're your prepared. hands yeah, you're good and, go. and you're going for it. Yeah. <coughs> Legit. You know, it's funny is, uh, like I'm hearing you talk about that and, um, uh, like I don't get to talk to my dad much about like relationships and that may be like part of like, uh, my like wound I have with my father. I feel like is that, um, he's not a very, um, like over the top communicator he's like he only communicates in very like specific moments or in very um um spread out moments and and i feel like uh, maybe like a little less than a year ago like i i was in a in a short relationship that was just like in retrospect just not a healthy one no matter how healthy i thought it was at the time and um i was quite i remember like coming close to the end of that relationship where i was really starting to question the um the 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 health of it and the positive things behind it if there were any and i I was just really like at a point with the relationship where i was like i was like is this really going to work out you know and i remember like finally talking to my dad about it because i can talk to my mom about this shit all day she's (laughs) like you know like she's the talker i I think i get that from her like we can go back and forth all day any day every day whatever (coughs) and uh, but i finally talked to my dad about it and he has such a way of of just putting it very simply that just um takes a huge effect on me and what he said he's like he's like, ah, he's like don't stress over it too much he's like you know if it's meant to be it'll happen if it's not whatever and like, <laughs> and like, and like and it, it's funny because like in that short literally like just about i want to say it's like less than 10 words that he actually said about the whole thing after <laughs> right. i spill my guts out to him for like 10 minutes yeah. about the whole thing and and he just puts it that simply and somehow that just like put me at such an ease man and it, it, it totally set me back into the reality. It, it'll of c- exactly, it'll calm down your perspective. It's like, yeah. hey, dude, you're good. From my seat, you're good. You're su- you're supposed to go through this. Yeah, that's the experience with my dad more recently. So I I I feel what you're saying because like yeah, that 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 detachment, which Jocko talks about detachment a lot. You know, being detached from the situation emotionally, so you can make a rational decision. And that's one of those things where your dad's like. Cool, good. Like you're good. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, no, you're fine. Yeah. Like it, it was so funny. Man. <laughs> I was literally like spilling my guts out, and my yeah. heart out to him, and he's like, ah, well, it's meant to be. It's meant to be. If it's not, you'll be okay. <laughs> like you know, it's, it's like, like life. It's, it's like his like small way of saying like, well, life will go on either way. So don't don't lose sleep over it, man. You'll yeah. be you'll be fine at the end of the day. Whatever. What's been a situation yeah. you guys have lost sleep over? Oh God. Oh, oh my general. God. <laughs> I, uh, love that. I love the reaction. Let's keep going. Okay. Well, here's. I'm not going to give a specific example because if someone else has a better story to share on this, please go ahead. <laughs> but the common thread for me in a lot of times that I lose sleep is being stuck in my head 
overanalyzing, overthinking, um, centering it on me. Typically, and I'm also I'm very much an internal processor. So when something happens, I process it afterwards and then think of what I should have said when it happened. <laughs> and so I'll stay up all night doing that. And I'm like, like I will start. I will go to bed, know that I need to stop thinking about this, try to shut my mind off, and with the intent of like, all right, you know what, I need to get on my knees and pray that I'm not that to give this up and to not be stuck in it. And then like all of a sudden it's an hour later and I've been thinking about it for an hour and I don't e I don't even remember like at starting that prayer. Like it's I get the common thread is if I would just actually be able to to give it up uh and have the weight like lifted off of myself, it wouldn't actually be a, an issue. And and most of the time what I'm doing is writing false narratives in my head about it. So maybe somebody has a specific example that's better. I, I definitely ditto on all the things you just <laughs> said. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, all I like, caps ditto. I just ditto. went through that. <laughs> <laughs> Literally like all caps ditto on that one. Um, I lose sleep over um, over like my career and not even just like my career, but like my you all, like my band. Like I lose sleep over over not fulfilling um, you guys either because you guys give all your time and dedication um, to with what I'm trying to do. Like I'm your employer and you're my employee, so to speak. So I lose sleep whenever I fuck up as an employer. Uh, I lose probably the most sleep over that more than anything. But um, like, you know, wh whether it's like I'm not keeping you guys busy enough or we're not doing enough forward movement or if we're, you know, degressing instead of progressing or et cetera, I, I lose the most sleep over that. And I, I definitely also lose sleep over overthinking, as, as as Freund was mentioning right right now briefly. Overthinking for business or multiple things? Uh, I mean, more than just business. Business, yes, but, but business also multiple things, personal things, and uh, and and all that good stuff. I, I wanted to give like somewhat a different example because yeah, yeah. uh, Freund went into something that I could I feel like I could talk about with him over a whole different podcast. But <laughs> yeah, we could do. You know, at, yeah, but um, Gonzo, what's what's something you lost sleep over? Or what's what, and it could be. I mean, funny you say that. He's been sleeping for three <laughs> hours. <laughs> um, most of the time, it's usually stuff that I can't do anything about, mm. and that's yeah. That's probably that's probably my biggest problem. Is like a lot of times, like I'll get into something like a situation that I know I'm not supposed to be in, <laughs> and uh, like I'll just like it'll just bother me. Like, how did I get here? How am I gonna get out of here? And like. I could easily, like, go to friends and stuff, but I, like, I'm the kind of person that, like, oh, well, this is my problem. I need to fi I need to fix this. Like, just, like, let them. They have their own shit to worry about, so I'm just going to, like, I'm just going to let it eat, it, like, at myself. Like, just, like, mm. so I'll just sit there, like, man, like, what am I going to do? And I, I have, like, you know? Yeah. It's weird. Does somebody ever snap you out of it? Mm. Walker usually does sometimes. There, there's times where shit will get to me so bad that I'll just be like, Walker, like, what's, like, what's going on here? And then he'll just, like, as soon, like, first couple words that he says, it's just like, I shouldn't even be worried about it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Newbie? I don't ever lose sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I never sleep. <laughs> Any, having lived with you, I definitely know that you do not lose sleep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, honestly, man... Uh, Anytime I've ever given myself the impression that I was in control of my own destiny, I will lose sleep. And it doesn't matter if it's, like, uh, my dog. I, I will literally lose sleep over thinking, shit, the last time my dog took a piss was, like, 7 p.m. He's going to wake me up at 4. And then I won't <laughs> sleep from, like, 
two to four. I'll just wake up and eventually I have to take him so outside. So just take him right now and piss. Well, but but you know what I mean. It's. <laughs> <laughs> but is you know well, he can sleep now. I mean, for, for anything ranging from that to like <coughs> football games, you know, like I mean. Baker Mayfield. Is Baker, Make- Baker Mayfield going to win the Heisman? I've known for a month that Baker Mayfield was going <laughs> to win the Heisman. And I like remember Baker Mayfield. like the night before being like, what if they don't give it to him because he got tackled by a cop or something? You know, like all these dumb things. And it shouldn't even matter to me. I'm not him. Like, it doesn't matter. I'm, you know, I'm still going to wake up and drink Mick Ultra and have a good <laughs> life. Like, But, I, you know. I lose sleep over a, a lot of things. I mean, women, you know, uh, both Eddie and John have, have fielded a lot, lot, lot of my sleepless nights <coughs> and, and things like that. But, I mean, like, both of the guys, three of the guys before me just said, like, anytime you feel like you're in control of your own destiny, you're going to lose sleep. Mm-hmm. Is it mostly over females and business that we lose sleep over? For me, is yeah. that the general consensus? Because now we've we've agreed that we lose sleep. Okay, we, I know that. Mm-hmm. But is the general consensus um, and family? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And family, um, just especially with my situation. Right. 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 We absolutely. Were talking absolutely. about my mom. Right. Earlier. Right. Right. Her having MS, like, uh, and I was telling Eddie earlier that um, we're getting to the point to where I will probably have to take uh, full responsibility of all of her decisions, medical, financial. Uh, I'll have power of attorney over her. Mm. Uh, we're moving toward that. And, you know, me, I don't even know what I'm doing with my life. Like, I don't know. I haven't figured myself out. And I have to pretty much be responsible for another adult human being. Yeah. Um, and so that it especially keeps me up a lot of nights. Uh, it's in in conjunction with all the women stuff. And right, right. My yeah. career. If and anything, anything, everything just adds on to your, yeah. actu- your actual problem that, you know, prioritize yeah. next to you just – Take right. care of that, and everything else is kind of is really secondary and tertiary to to what your day's going. Like. Absolutely, man. And that reveals, I think each that reveals each person's priorities and what what drives you, um, which could <coughs> be could be based on like deep fears that we have, or it could be based on like I know this thing is important which lends yourself to just thinking constantly about that and how am I going to deal with this? Like, as long as I've ever known D, his family and his mom has been, like, number one priority. Like, he's talking about it. He's arranging his life for it. Um, He's like, I'm going to make this thing, you know, this is my, a big part of my meaning and purpose is serving my family and my mom in this way, is trying to make an impact in this way. Um, And I think for each one of us, there's something... There's something like that where the reason why I'm the reason why I'm up losing sleep, the reason why I'm overanalyzing is because I care so very much about this thing. And when we do that, like Newbie was saying, I wanna how, how can I control this? Yeah. How can I change I was, this? I was gonna go that way, yeah. How can I versus what can I con what can I not control? Mm-hmm. And and what do I have to either give up or say, like I is a is a dumb example, but in business, I gave a quote last week to a customer, and I w- spent all day freaking out about like, did I just give a quote that was way ridiculously high? Like, oh my gosh, like I'm gonna get this call, she's gonna chew me out, she's gonna be like, are you kidding me? Like, I'm not working with you, it's gonna damage my reputation. <coughs> I've talked to her the next day about it. She's like, yeah, it turns out I I didn't even bring up the price or anything. She goes, oh yeah, uh yeah, I looked at the email with the quote and everything, and that's exactly what we guessed. It was within a few pennies. So you know, and then she starts talking about something else and goes, what? 
all of my fears were just I can imagine totally that, sense, that, sense yeah. of re- that sense of relief just yeah and the whole time you're like, like, like wow I was being such an idiot I was totally baseless with all of the all of this overthinking and overanalyzing yeah and that that's an interesting balance on its own because that's one thing about the selfishness and and caring because like well selfish to care enough because one of the things that I've I've uh, I've derived from from others uh Especially because he's brought he uh, Eddie's brought up the C.S. Lewis the Four Loves mm-hmm. here and there right top five right <laughs> which I, just I for the sake of noting got to me through Freud as yeah. well and now I have my copy which I'll read and I'll probably bring it to the podcast at some point which ones are those the Lion the Witch <laughs> 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 the Wardrobe Prince Caspian but uh, <laughs> but being so selfish and this is this this is my kind of angle is being so selfish with your time. <coughs> So you can be selfless with the people that you care about, mm-hmm. and that's one of the things that I've gotten because that because that's my that's one of my things. Like, hey, how much do I care? How much do I care? Well, I'm like, well, it's four o'clock in the morning. I must care something. You know, <laughs> I must yeah. care to an extent about this situation, right? And so it and it's it's that balance of like, okay, how do I deal with this? And I at least from my perspective, I feel like I've maneuvered to say, okay, what can I not control? Okay, throw that out. Mm-hmm. And and because the question that I didn't raise up is like, could I have could I have done something better? Yeah, man, that's destroy like, yourself over that one. That's that, I, that's almost every night. Like John said, it, it, I internalize a lot of things, and um, <clears throat> I'll think back through the day of like things I said or or things that I did, and how I could have done those things differently. Uh, that's like a, a nightly thing for me. Yeah, yeah. How many beers does it take before you realize, like? Any of us. How many beers do you got to drink before you realize A or B, it still would have probably ended up the exact same way? Right. I ha- that's that's the one that tears me up because – I guess it depends on the beer. Yeah. Because <laughs> I mean, <honestly. laughs> like D says, uh, I mean, I got into this with, with a guy, uh, my, my old college roommate for an hour straight of – you know, we talked about Belmont and what we would do differently. And we went, I, I mean, each one of us, there was no shortage. We went for probably an hour, hour and 15 minutes of just back and forth. I would do this. I would do that. I would do this. I would do that. And at the end of the conversation, we looked at each other and we're like, I would still live in this house and be doing the exact same thing. <laughs> and you would still be over there. And, it, and and at the end of the day, like nobody really knows, but yeah. Yeah. It's, it, and the pr- I guess w- the principle I guess here is also like it's a am- it amazes me what the brain can do, mm. and 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 just that just that premise of like we know we care we know that we probably still be in this situation we we'd probably still be in this house right now having this conversation, but the way the brain maneuvers and the, just the way I mean that that part and that's a total generalization of like just rhetorical statement that uh, that I that I usually say around this part of the conversation where you bring up that it's like. What would you have done? Well, we could have done a million different things, and mm-hmm. we don't know. And it's like, and that's where we're we're gonna we have about probably about fifteen minutes left. Uh, Shit. <laughs> but Shit. but like again, that's where I feel like very strongly about moving with life as a concept, and like taking real a- like move just move, move an inch. It's cool. And this, but this is where like. Finding the right friends and say, "Hey, you moved an inch. Good job today. Move, <coughs> move another yeah. inch tomorrow." As opposed to saying, "Man, that's all. That's, that's it." Or, "Man, I moved three inches. Why did you only move one?" Mm-hmm. And and I feel like that's the that maybe that's something that, that we probably are dealing with, 
that I know that whenever we get to this point in the conversation, um, that I feel it's like, yeah, it ties up to exactly what I'm thinking, and it all leads to movement. Other people say hustle. Other people say grind. And for me, it's like just just move, go a little bit, walk out, step out the door. And mm-hmm. there's even like a breakdown concept of uh, that Tim Ferriss brings up. Like if you want to start working out again, drive to the gym. Your goal for today, drive to the gym. Then drive back home. Mm. Do that for three days. The next three days, walk into the door. Literally walk in, walk back out. And do that. And then progressively do that. Then go to the gym, get on the treadmill for 10 minutes. But 10 minutes and that's it. And then mm-hmm. walk back. Do that for three days. And you build and you build and you build. And it's like, it's it's obviously easier said than done. Cause it's, and it's, the only good, the good thing about Tim Ferriss is that he, he's done this stuff. So it's, it's, uh, done you know it's not just theory it's like he's, right. he's experimented with this stuff and it's what work it's what's worked for him that's why he has he has like four or five books out now mm-hmm. um were you gonna say something john oh okay <laughs> I, saw you, I, I saw you get close to the mic i'm like okay i think you said something but uh but progress the progressive like that and that's where it's like uh, again just reiterating the fact of okay you moved you moved you took one step forward today just do that one step for a week mm-hmm. and then take another step and take another step but i think it that directly contradicts like how a lot of us work when we want to, when we have a goal for ourselves or when right. we start <laughs> yeah, something yeah. new, which is, and I know like me and newbie and I, I know probably others here, we're spurts people and we'll yeah. get it. We'll get it really into something and do a ton of it for a little while. Yeah. And then it just dies out. Like, yeah, I am. I'm the there, same way. there are certain things that are habits in my life and, and we'll, I'll do every day. And I'm like, okay, I've got those <coughs> things down, but there are other things like, yeah, like physical care, exercise and stuff. There are months where I'm like d- doing a ton every single day. And then there's months where just nothing at all. And I'll get, be, oh yeah, I'm going to work out. So today I'm going to go do an insanely hard workout. <laughs> yeah. It's so much harder to do what you're talking about, that slow build up discipline. Yeah. And that, that I think applies to so many aspects um, even, and kind of has to do with uh, the point newbie brought up earlier from Wild at Heart, I think, which is when when the time is right that you need to take action, that you need to take a step forward, when someone needs you um, to be that um, assertive man as opposed to just the, the sit back and wait or the hesitant person, um, you're more able to do that when you put in the slow discipline and the slow time. When you start uh, a new relationship and, you're, and you, p- you progress slowly knowing full well that I would rather have what's sweeter in the long term than the easy thing to grab now. That's a lot harder to do, which is just, it's parallel to what you're talking about Mm -hmm. with the gym. It's a lot harder to do that than say, I'm going to take the easy thing right now, go full on out in this and then burn out a couple, a couple months from now and be like, what did we just do? Mm -hmm. I bet we've all probably been there. Yeah. As as to do that. And that, that's kind of like what I've gotten from Tim Ferriss is good (laughs) questions asking. And then, Basically, reverse engineering everything. So, cause I, I I do the same thing where, uh, let's just say I let's just say I, cause I have a, I have a blog too. So let's say I do that for a week and I do good and I have like these long ass blogs I'm like good, and then like by the time by by the end of the week I'm like burnt out of like thinking about okay blog podcast and different things right. right. And so then I so then same thing spurt and it's done, and then I won't be on for another six seven months. It's like damn I haven't written since like August. <laughs> like it's it's been a long time or whatever. And so now it's like, okay, I've thrown out like, – like, that's why I've gotten rid of Twitter. Mm-hmm. I don't use Twitter. And er- ever since they changed, like, the whole app, like, app, the way it's functioning, like, I hate – I didn't like it. So I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to let go of it. 
But yeah, it, that's what I, at least that's what I'm working on. It's like basic, basically reverse engineering. Okay, what do I want to be good at? What do we want to be good at? And then go from there. And that's that's also why the podcast, even though I'm not making anything, but the concept and the premise behind the podcast over over uh, basically <coughs> overtook uh, working at the gym. You know, because like this 2017, I realized was okay. I'm working at the gym. I'm doing the podcast. And which one's gonna? Which one do I feel stronger about? Which one do I feel am I more effective about? Which one do I care about more? It's mm-hmm. like you know what, you know. And it, interesting enough is like the gym. They're like they're they're gonna allow me to still I still work go work out and stuff. So the clients that I have had, like now I actually get to work out with them mm-hmm. versus just you know being there with them. So it, that's gonna be that's gonna be a whole different relationship going into 2018 because now it's gonna be like oh let's hey you're gonna work out yeah and then whatever yeah and so uh, it it'll be interesting seeing that. But anyways, I think we can tie it up there. We went almost three hours. We didn't. We have like ten minutes. That's like pretty good. Yeah, pretty girthy. Story time. Actually, yeah, ten minutes. Yeah, I got ten minutes. Story. Got. Someone give any story. Go ahead. Last ten minutes. Give. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I got it. Give a story with you guys, like you four at here in Nashville. Oh God. And yeah. Was D present for the toast story? <laughs> no, he wasn't. Okay. No, but I do think he was at the first <coughs> party that 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 story entails. Which one? I don't know. I took a whole bunch of wild turkey. I couldn't tell you which one. <laughs> but the toast story. I will. I will tell this story, uh, because I would not have met um, more than half the people in this room if not for this story. But when I was a, a freshman in college, I had this extremely um, naive, negative perception of what uh, fraternities could be. I, I, I just had this very big stereotype in my head uh, of what fraternities were. And um, anyway, and, and D, I, I knew D freshman year. We'd met freshman year, and um, and we became really good friends then uh, from living at, from living in the same residence hall and on, on the same level and just a few doors down from each other. And um, was and it? Were you guys three doors down, or Stop. oh god, four or five? Yeah, if we want to get specific, but I was in one on one. What were you in? Uh, one ten. So that's a little further down. Yeah. But anyway, three times um, three doors down. But so D was in this in this fraternity Love our freshman year, down. and and uh, I think sophomore year came around, and me and D were hanging out, and then he convinced me to to rush, and uh, and at the time I thought like not a not a whole lot of it, but I, I did think at the time well if. D's like one of my best friends in the world at this point. So like if he's in this fraternity and he speaks really highly of it, it must be something worth at least going to check out. So I went and I checked it out and I would not be friends uh, with, with <coughs> newbie and, and well, I mean, I was already friends with D, but you know, either way, um, you know, wouldn't have been able to continue that friendship to the extent we did as brothers in the same fraternity, if not for that. And I also would not uh, be friends with Freund or, you know, because of all this. So, not a, a hugely detailed story, but I, I want to give people an insight as to how I came in contact with, with more than half the individuals with this room. And, and because of all that, it's completely um, shaped a, a big portion of my life. So I, I'm super grateful for that. Mm. On a less grateful note, <laughs> <laughs> I'm grateful for it. But, uh, God, it's just it's not as inspirational. Uh I want to tell you guys about how I learned how that I suck at making toast. <laughs> <laughs> I really just want to oh tell you. <laughs> and I'm going to make up part of the beginning of the story. I will correct you as you go because, because the story directly involves me. And, and there were so <laughs> there were several times that really just like blur in and out of the beginning of the story, but 
I don't remember exactly where we started, but I do remember that at some point we ended up at a house somewhere in the neighborhood surrounding Belmont. And we walked in and I immediately dipped from you guys. I went to the basement and they were playing ping pong or something. It didn't matter. Whatever it was, I was not involved. Mm. I was doing my absolute best trying to keep at least one hand on each wall at all times. Right. And good strategy. Yeah. So at one point I, I, I somehow get back up the stairs. I don't even know whose house we were at. I look at Eddie. We, this is this is probably five hours into the evening at this point. We've been to multiple houses, multiple bars, and it's about time to go. And we walk outside. For those of you guys who don't know me, which is literally fucking all of you, <laughs> I don't smoke. But for some odd reason, I was drunk enough to not have any idea who I was. And we all went outside, and they're like, "Oh, hey, hey smoke break before we leave." And I said, "Oh, yeah, 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 yeah." So we go out at the front porch. Eddie, man, let me bomb one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Me and Eddie had lived with each other for a while at this point. We knew each other well enough to know that I don't smoke. Both of us. And it passed both of us. And he literally hands me a cigarette. I get it up to my lips. And right as I'm about to get the lighter from somebody else, he goes, wait a minute, dude. You don't smoke. (laughs) Grabs a cigarette, throws it on the ground. He's like, you don't smoke. So... We somehow get in the Uber. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, <laughs> I remember the guys. We debated on whether we were gonna have him pull us through McDonald's, and this is how kind of how the toast thing came about. We decided against McDonald's. I think he kind of probably decided for us because we were both there. You know, you had your shit together, right? For the exact amount of time that it took to get back to Gazebo Apartments, Eddie had his shit together. We get there. We fidget with the lock on the door for how many minutes? At least five. At least five minutes. Like, no fucking idea. You would think that we had, like, babies <laughs> that have the giant colored plastic keys and shit. That was us. Okay? <laughs> that was us trying to screw with this lock. We get inside, and this is when I think I realized how brothers, you know, how much of just brothers, me and Eddie, were going to be, is Eddie walks about six steps <laughs> and fucking face plants on the ground, right? Yep. He's got his face sideways like he's in a fucking, like, swimming race or something like that, okay, on the carpet. And I just looked at him. I leaned down and patted his back and said, it's okay, dude. I'll get you some toast. I'll feed you. And I went into the kitchen, and I took out the little, like, one burger-sized George Foreman grill and a whole bunch of butter. And I made an entire loaf of bread worth of toast. <laughs> that shit was black. It was Bro. it was bad. All right. I made it on a George Foreman. I made a whole loaf of bread worth of toast. Did you not have a toaster? I have no idea. But I put it on a plate and I took it to Eddie and I was like, put it right by his face on the ground. <laughs> and I think how how many you probably ate at least one of them. I ate all of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he ate like all of it. Would you care for me to tell my side of the story now, or, or you got a uh, you got a little bit more? Well, all, all okay. I know is that at that point, when I, I woke up, I think you were already awake when I woke. But when I woke up, 
I had barely crossed the threshold of the door to my room. <laughs> so you were in the hall, didn't make it to your door. I Jesus. barely made it halfway into my room. Where was I? I have no fucking idea what happened <laughs> at 90% of those are the things that I know about this night. My turn. So we went uh we went to a, a party of ours actually at the old place that Fron used to live at, but then he um he wasn't living there anymore and then Shout some out other to Fort Knox. Yeah, Fort Knox and some other people were living in Fort Knox and then uh so we went to their little get together and I like I'd never take shots. Like it takes like on average 10 minutes to convince me to take shots cuz I just I never take them. And two minutes to convince him to sit on Santa's lap. <laughs> More like two seconds. That happened a little quicker. Um, but pictures on that to come. Yeah, but you can talk <laughs> to people about that, man. <laughs> <laughs> he God was real bless. nice. He was real nice. Anyway, so we we uh, we decided to take wild turkey shots. I think D. I think you were with us uh, taking these shots as well, if I recall correctly. Um, but we took several shots within the span of about five minutes, which for me, being a lightweight, means really bad news. I was there. Yeah. And yeah, I definitely was. And we decided to party hop to another friend's party. And so we went there. And that's at that point, newbie, I lost you really quick because, as you said, you went to the basement. And I was talking <laughs> to somebody else. And then I was, I had this realization that I usually do at this point in my life, um, now that I know my body and my alcohol intake well enough. I had this point that I hit where I was like, man, in 30 minutes – Someone's gonna have to carry me everywhere. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, it, that's just that's just fact. So I was like, I have to find newbie. We need to get the f out of here. Real quick, you know how I learned what that point was for you? What? <laughs> Gas station brand blue e-cigarettes. Oh my god! Anytime you see one of those, he's gonna get fucked. You up. had that phase though, where you I were had really into those blue cigarettes. I was, yeah, man. Go ahead, go ahead, anyway, so um, and so I, I knew I had to find you so I could coordinate with you on getting back home because we, we had taken a Lyft or an Uber or whatever. So I finally find you, and, and I think I expressed to you that I was going to be very drunk within a short amount of time, so we needed to get back home. <laughs> and um, and so we we get an Uber and we're waiting outside and it's cold as hell already, and we're outside and and we're smoking cigarettes with these people. And then as you say, you try to like bum a cigarette, and I was like, dude, you don't smoke. <laughs> and, uh, and that was a, it's a funny thing within itself. And then we get in the Uber, and I'm trying so hard to keep it together because I'm trying to, like, guide this guy how to get back to the gazebo <laughs> apartments a more efficient way than was on his map that would save us money. So um, <laughs> I'm, like, you know, I'm guiding him through it, and I'm just, like, keeping the small talk alive, and I'm just, like, keeping it together. My eyes are probably super wide, like, yeah, uh-huh, yeah, yeah, man, or whatever, you know, and – and, like, we get back to the apartment, we finagle with the lock and the keys for, like, five minutes, and we finally get in, in inside. I make it, like, a few inches past the threshold of the door, and, and I just, <laughs> bam, like, just face plant on the carpet. And then you came and patted me on the back. Oh, man, I'll make you some toast. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, and you make that whole like loaf of bread with toast, and it's all charred black. And I ate the whole freaking thing, man. <laughs> like I didn't, I didn't give two shits about it. I, I ate the whole freaking thing. And then uh, you left to Oklahoma. You had a flight back home oh, shit, that next yeah. morning, so you were uh, gone bright and early. And then, um, and then uh, D, this uh, where you come into the into the picture next. Um, we went to another friend of ours, whose name is Grant. We went to his um, freaking hurling match. With a, I still don't know how Yo. to describe hurling to people. Yeah. But uh, we went to his um, sports event or whatever. Sports ball. Sports <laughs> ball. It's like and lacrosse with claws. 
Yeah, there you go. And we we went to go watch him, and I was hungover as fuck the whole entire time. And uh, and then we get out of that, and then I went to go eat by myself at this Mexican restaurant and try to get some food in me and in my system, and ends up ends up making it worse because it was so freaking spicy. And and so I get back to the apartment, and I probably knocked out for like seven hours, and then woke up, and then it was like seven p.m. I was like, well, fuck. (laughs) There's that. End of story. Terrible toast. Terrible toast. I, I also have at least a thousand stories with D carrying me back to my bed. So, <laughs> holy shit! Yeah. You guys want some toast? I got a little. Zero <laughs> percent. <laughs> I put cheese on it now, and then another piece of toast on the other end. So that's grilled cheese. There, there no, are cheesy uh, toast. <laughs> there are reasons that I do not do tequila straight anymore, and D knows all of those reasons. Mm, dude. <laughs> yeah. We can. Someone we'll need another podcast. We that. need another yeah, podcast. Someone have names. We need we'll, another we'll podcast for like a lot of. <laughs> she we definitely did like the salty. good, serious, oh helpful podcast. There's a podcast full of a lot of shit that would negate everything that we just. <laughs> <said. Yeah. laughs> but see, that's the whole point. That's what we're. You know, that's to, what we're here now. To to bring us back to a little bit more of a, of a serious note, uh, me and friend were. We're talking about this a little earlier on this morning over coffee and, and breakfast and stuff, and and we're like, man, like how many times did we like go out and have like what we thought was like a great night, and and it was great at the moment, and it was fun at the moment, and and definitely no regrets looking back, right? It's like great to be able to tell all these stories, but in the sum of all things, it's like what really happened? Nothing. <laughs> like we, we were. I think the way we put it was like, what did we wake up the next day and we're like, man, I'm really glad that I did this, or like, I'm glad that <laughs> happened. It's like very few of those times. Very few. And uh, and to wrap it all up with a bow for you, um, no pun intended, being it's it's near around the corner for Christmas. But um, <laughs> mm. you know, to to put a bow on all of it, it, it's like moments like this that that um that I know I will be able to look back on and really appreciate. And well, some people wait a lifetime for, for moments like this. Oh man, I don't plan on that. That's the point. Yeah. Eddie signs and signs some off. <laughs> <laughs> signs sealed delivered. Oh, I no, need it. <laughs> this joke has been brought to you by uh Gonzo's next entrepreneurial venture, a bar coffee house called Bar Gonzo Beans. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> All of what you just heard is true science fiction. <laughs> a memoir due uh February twenty eighteen. <laughs> Just a reminder, actually, for real though, guys. Seventeen hours, great album. Buy it, don't steal it. All right. <laughs> EddieSignsMusic.com. Thanks for the plug, No stealing guys. signs. Mm. No stealing signs. <laughs> <laughs> there have been way too many puns today, and and I should have guessed that there would be a, a shit ton of puns being around you two guys. Uh, dude, were you? I'm sorry, D. Were you gonna say something? No, I oh. was not. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was just appreciating. <laughs> I was appreciating the puns. <laughs> All right, we'll we'll wrap it up. Maybe, hopefully, maybe we can wrap one up and get another, another podcast up before we, we before we take off. We can get all the sticks in and do that. And that one, we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see what that one brings. We've now talked about vulnerability. We talked about everything that I feel like should have been covered and needs to be covered. So then we can continue uh, going on with whatever is uh, we're searching for. We're looking for. Uh, developing our purposes and services. Um, movingwithlife.co is the website. You can find everything. Gonzo on drums, <coughs> the way you hear it on Instagram. Yes, EddieSignsMusic.com. Uh, you guys have. You guys want to leave your socials or not? I'll leave if you wanna. Yeah, it's, uh, it's optional. I don't give my social out to anyone. Yeah, it's all good. My my mom. Wait, are you social media? Yeah. Oh, 
That's different. <laughs> I think it's Cameron Dot Newbie. I don't fucking know. <laughs> oh my god! I don't follow myself on social media. That's his email at Hotmail. Yeah, at Hotmail. You want to hit him with your aim real quick? Yo, MSN. <laughs> my aim is. Uh, <laughs> I can't tell you what it is because I use it as my password now. <laughs> I was about to say it. All right, we'll wrap, we'll wrap it up there. Hopefully, we can get another episode in. Uh, this one will be up on Thursday, so that means the next. If we get the next one in, it'll be on a Friday. So we'll have, if we knock it out, it'll be tomorrow or Thursday, and then we'll post it up next day. So uh, thank you, guys. <sighs> this has been a long time coming, especially because I've now gone through – or we've I, I've gone through 48 episodes and then, you know, trying to maneuver this, and episode 48 is definitely going to be a special one forever because uh, this is one – you know, this is the biggest as far as talking with six people. It's, it's the biggest <laughs> – damn it, newbie. Uh, the biggest – conversation circle that i've had so it's pretty cool and hopefully we can do it again very soon and uh, again uh, i just want to say before you wrap up real quick thank you guys for uh d you were super last minute on this podcast thanks for being able and, and as vulnerable as Ooh. you have been on on this thing and, and everybody man this has been like the best of both worlds for me um hannah montana all the way mm. you know yeah. <laughs> but uh but in all seriousness it's it's been very interesting and very um emotional for me to have um my hometown friends and my Nashville friends here, and it, well, it's been incredible. I don't know if this is hell or my hometown. Oh, my <laughs> God. John, I want you, because I always end the podcast with a quote. Oh, man. So you got a quote for us? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if it's not a thin Lizzie quote, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> I'm oh not even, I'm not going to. I'm not gonna respond to that. <laughs> that's another story. That's for that's time. for I was gonna say that's for another, another, uh, another podcast. The boys are back in town. But this is one I thought of earlier. We s- is okay. We're still going. Okay. This is a this is a Leo Tolstoy quote from uh, his Confessions, uh, and it's this. My question, that which at the age of 50 brought me to the verge of suicide, was the simplest of questions lying in the soul of every man, a question without an answer to which one, without an answer to which one cannot live. It was, what will come of what I am doing today or tomorrow? What will come of my whole life? Why should I live? Why wish for anything or do anything? It can also be expressed thus. Is there any meaning in my life that the inevitable death awaiting me does not destroy? I think it's one of those things that propels us to look what we were talking about earlier. What are we really living for? What is what is the purpose, as you're saying, moving with life? What are we moving forward to so we can ask questions like that and not be terrified by the answer? 